You're listening to episode 178 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. It's with a heavy heart, my friends, that I am the bearer of bad news. Dear listeners, all you Comics Pals maniacs out there, Roman Wilde. But today, I have to announce that we are canceling our show at the Wolverine Stadium in Michigan that will have 105,000 Comics Pals, you know, watching us do a podcast. That's not happening anymore because of broke brain from coronavirus. Broke brain. Broke brain. Phil got it. Sean got it. Pete got it. And it's super contagious. I was looking forward to Michigan. I love Michigan. Yeah, you know we all love Wolverines around here. Here we are. We just can't do it. We all got the broke brain. We all got the broke brain, so there will be no more live show at Michigan Stadium where the Wolverines play. We have to disappoint all our legion of fans. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I like if, if we I'm ever. I'm sorry. <laughs> If we ever end up in a in a scenario where we need to make like a corporate apology video, can that just be it? Can it just be Phil having a breakdown in front of the camera? <laughs> no. <laughs> Broke brain. <laughs> Maybe. You 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 can never actually Maybe. say you're sorry because then that opens up to that opens you up to uh, <laughs> that implies guilt. God damn you, coronavirus! That's right. That you can't say. Else. God damn you! I don't know about you guys, but every failing that I have. I'm going to blame coronavirus for well after it's gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, um, you got oh, some lead we, time on that. Can we talk about that asshole emperor in Latveria who has a cure for coronavirus and is not giving it to the world? Man, yeah, I could see that. I mean, look at the X-Men. They're giving it away, yeah, but like yeah. for a price. You know, you got to get down or lay down type thing, you know. You have to yeah, join the and they team. weren't even going to come see us at Michigan Stadium, those assholes. <laughs> we used to be cool. Yeah, what happened? They've changed. I tried to get Logan to bring some White Claws, and he wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got Metal Claws. Oh, boy. All right. So My man drank six of them last night. Snicked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hopefully, Fuck, I want to try White Claw. Hopefully, you guys listening are doing well and staying healthy, staying safe. Obviously, there's a lot going on right now, and I'm sure that the last thing you guys want to hear is more coronavirus talk. But uh, that's about all that's going on in the news. Um, we're going to do our best to, you know, keep it light. And have a good time. That's what we do on this show. But we do have to talk about, you know, what's happening uh, in comics, which is a lot of, <laughs> a lot of that, a lot of that Corona mm. talk. Um, it's gonna be coronavirus, or it's gonna be Animal Crossing, and this ain't a video game podcast. <laughs> Damn, that's true. That is very, very true. Um, but in any event, I want to let you guys know where you can find us all over the web, and uh, you know, chat with us. Let us know how you're doing. Uh, if you want us on a different podcast hosting platform, of course, um, you can get us by just typing The Comics Pals into your Google machine. Uh, you can look us up on social media at The Comics Pals. 
You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can make sure to leave us a like, drop us a comment, share this video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more content like this. Hit the notification bell to be made aware when we drop content. Join our Discord server to come and chat about whatever it is you're reading, you know, uh, during the quarantine, when the quarantine ends, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, if you just need some some nerds to, you know, hang out with and shoot the breeze, uh, that's cool too, whatever you want to do. Um, I've, I've said this before, but we're definitely going to be having some giveaways starting very, very soon. So uh, now is definitely the time to jump on board with our Discord server. Um, speaking of people interacting with us, uh, last week we did ask you guys like what books you would want to read during your quarantine. Uh, and uh, one of our favorites, Will Brashears, over on SoundCloud, said, Never read 100 Bullets. I checked that out. Nice. So thank you for that. That's pretty cool. Um, I've never read it either, and I would check that out. That's uh, Azarello, right? Yeah, I want to say that. I want to say that's that. Did that. It's supposed to be good. I've heard good yeah. things. Google. Yeah, it's uh, Brian Azarello <clears throat> and uh, illustrated by Eduardo Risso. There you go. Oh, yeah. 100 issues. So, yeah, you got plenty to read if you want to pick you that one up. You got the time. And it's an Eisner and Harvey Award winner. Yes. So. Um, Published over 10 years. Is it Vertigo? Solid pick. Is it Vertigo? Uh, yes, it is. Hey, two for two. <laughs> wow, I'm so proud of you, Marco. You're killing it. Yeah. Um, so how are you guys doing this week? I mean, obviously, there's a lot going on. We don't have to get heavy if there's heavy to get. But uh, just in general. We take a lot of time to check on the comic book industry here. I think it's time we do a PALS check-in. <laughs> Yeah, why not? So it's our show. It's a, how do you feel, Kale? <laughs> uh, so, I, our most at-risk pal. I I got a dog this week. Hey, nice. on like my third day of quarantine. It's um, fucked up that you named him coronavirus. <laughs> I mean, I just thought COVID was a cool name. You <laughs> know, Kobe. I like you know, it. A cute, uh... It just works. <laughs> Uh, no, that'll be the baby I make out of this, uh, quarantine. <laughs> okay, real, real talk, real talk, uh, condom sales are through the roof right now. We are gonna have a whole new generation of boomers come out of this. <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works. <laughs> Especially if they're being safer. That's a good point. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I have spent the week, uh, training this dog, uh, his name is Blake. Uh, Blake Patrick Danger. <laughs> Where'd the name come from? Uh, so Blake is what he was named originally. Okay. Uh, and we just kind of liked it. Patrick, we na- we kept that because he we got him on uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day. And uh, Danger is just cool. Just makes him sound awesome. Yeah. So I've been uh, been training this dog, like I said, and the thing the thing about dogs when you introduce them to a new home is you're supposed to kind of confine them to one room for uh they say 24 hours we've been uh we've done it uh, over that but we're starting to introduce them around the house and it's been uh it's been really uh weird 
because you we, didn't so, beat it after midnight, did you? Yes. Ah, is dude. that what? Uh, but so we we introduced him to our bedroom uh, because that's kind of it's kind of the biggest room and it's got the uh, it's got his kennel in it, and so uh, so we've just been in there for all week basically, and so I'm in this spot where I feel weirdly disconnected, like double quarantined because I'm I can only be in like one room <laughs> with this dog, uh, and. I, I feel like apart from my work, I feel apart from like my video games and stuff, but I'm all I'm doing is Twitter. And despite my feeling of disconnection, I feel like I'm hearing all the screaming in the void. So it's just, uh, it's been a weird one. So you're in a great place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the rest of us are going to talk about screaming in the void, but you know, you do you. <laughs> I love how Sean's like, keep it light, and Kale's like, I stared into the void and it stared back. That's that's my every week. I don't. That sound that does sound light for Kale. That's not. Yeah, that's not heavy. Yeah, he's like, as an elderly person, I think about death often, and when will it come for me so that I can embrace it? This dog wakes me up in the morning, and I'm like, ugh, again. <laughs> well, Phil, I know you've been you've been pretty busy. Uh, you are an actual for real life journalist, and so I know you've been covering this uh, this coronavirus deal over at your your yeah, job man. outside of this. Yeah, I work for a, a news radio station in Philadelphia, and man, I've been working long days and many days. And I'm just tired. And a joke in the office for the people that are still there because if all non-essential personnel are working from home, so it's like me and five other people um, that are still there. And the joke is we don't know if we're tired or if we have COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully we don't have it. Yeah. What a funny light joke. <laughs> yeah, no. That's just the type of joke you make when... Uh, <laughs> when you're at, there at two in the morning and uh, hoping for the best, um, it's been pretty crazy. We've been talking to Congress people and mayors and uh, like county officials and governors all week, and uh, it's it's been crazy. I just never get a break from COVID nineteen. Even before it came to the United States, you know, we're covering it in mm. Wuhan, China, and then in Iran and South Korea. Wow, they flew you out there. That's wild. How's yeah, Iran this time, uh, this time of year? <laughs> dude, Iran is so pretty. Yeah? It's so pretty, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so, like, it's I never get a break from this. It's just constantly in my mind. And and, and, and all the while, you know, uh, I'll interact with friends or family members who are, are terrified or panicking over it, and I just have to be like, like, I'm too tired to be on that level. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> just... Just, just like be smart and just live your life and if you get it like we'll go from there <laughs> great <laughs> yeah, yeah right like, well, we'll take we'll take everything a step at a time here just do your best well uh good thing you're here because you're getting a little bit of a break from all that madness and uh you know hopefully that's we can, why i wasn't here last week yes i was working hopefully we can tell some jokes and talk some comics and uh you know 
<laughs> yeah, maybe I'll scream about coronavirus again. <laughs> that was that was cathartic for me because it's like, God, <laughs> go away. <laughs> uh, it's business as usual for the most part for me. I'm going stir crazy, not being able to leave the house for anything. So that's kind of weird, but um, you know, just normal stuff. Like I'm not seeing friends, so that's you know, odd. The show went off the air years ago. You've gone blind. <laughs> that's actually next like if if this whole covid stuff doesn't get me blindness and bl- blindness is definitely on the on the radar um but uh it's just the next thing he wants to do is go blind i miss coronavirus i better go blind yep. <laughs> um yeah not getting to to midtown this week like being you know, worried about going and advised to not go, right? Because I have asthma. Yeah. Um, it's just like, man, this is real now, you know? And they're closing down, and so many other comic shops are closing down. So comics have been a safe haven in a lot of ways for me for most of my life at this point. So for that to kind of be going – not going away. I don't want to say it that way, but – um. Uh, it's on break. That trip to get them is a cathartic yeah. experience that is now not possible. Um, it's it's it, it makes it real. It's the disruption of normalcy. When the White House came out at the beginning of the week and said no more than ten people can congregate in a space, I was like, "Holy shit! What? Ten people? Well, that's the thing. You can't put six people in a midtown and like have anything be okay." You put six people in a midtown, four of them will get a cold. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, CB Sobolski was saying that he was at a midtown comics here. Yeah, true. I would say I'm I'm in a pretty similar boat to you, Sean. Where like my actual day to day isn't that much different because my like I already worked from home and my job hasn't been disrupted that much yet. Like, there's been some changes, but for the most part, like everybody in my company is just working from home, and as long as our clients are working, like. You know we have work to do, so um, that's fine. But it's it's really more the like just being a little stir crazy, and um, and just feeling like you know, like I, I haven't spent more than I want to say five minutes to ten minutes outside when it wasn't like going to a grocery store since Wednesday. La- not last Wednesday, I guess the Wednesday before that. So it's like just a little bit. You know, I'm feeling like when you see those zoo animals and they're just doing circles in the cage a little bit, you know, Chasing. Yep. yeah, like that's really <clears throat> been more my issue. Um, but I will say, uh, Kale made a joke about it at the top, but I, I picked up Animal Crossing yesterday and like that already has been like a huge like break in that cycle because it's like, oh, I have this new fun thing that I've been looking forward to for a long time. And like if I didn't have to, I would have stayed home and played it all day yesterday. So like yesterday was the first time in a while I was able to like not be thinking about it or not be focused on the fact that I was stuck inside or, you know, um, yeah, just that basically, you know, it, it broke that cycle a little bit for me. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. 
And I definitely um, would recommend to like everybody who's feeling the way that I have been to like just try to find something like that, you know, like whether it's like a new comic book series like we talked about or like a show you've been meaning to watch or like a hobby that you've always wanted to take up, you know, something like that. Like you got to just find something productive and like exciting, you know, not necessarily productive, right? Watching a a show or reading a book or playing a video game isn't necessarily productive, but something that you can like sink your teeth into and feel like you're getting something out of it, you know, is going to go a long way in making you, I think, be able to cope with it a little bit, you know, because I think a lot of people are just like, I'm rewatching my favorite show or I'm doing this or that, or, and it's like, that's the kind of stuff that I think is going to really make you go stir crazy, you know? Like cook yourself a nice meal or something or like I don't know. <laughs> That's gonna like, last about a day. Um. <laughs> but it's but you know what I mean. Like just do something good for yourself. Yeah. Like just break up the monotony a little bit with something like that's gonna make you feel good or like that's gonna be constructive. You know. Yeah. Uh, Thursday went out with my parents. Uh, oh, you've got it. <clears throat> yep. No, Marco we're good. is yep. definitely the first one of us that gets it. Nah, because Marco, no, 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 Marco no. said no, Marco wait. doesn't give a shit. <laughs> with Marco, Phil, <laughs> Phil told with, us he got the special uh, paperwork for yeah. uh, for going out as a, an emergency worker or whatever. And Marco said, "Ooh, get me one." <laughs> <laughs> I want it. Marco's Marco's gonna think he has COVID nineteen, and it's gonna end up being like herpes or something. <laughs> it's totally unrelated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but. Went out, went to get Mexican food, um, came back home. We were planning on going on a walk because it was like really nice on Thursday, uh, but we didn't end up doing that. And then I've been watching Marble League. Um, I don't know if you guys have, have seen that, but it's. Do you have a Do you have a cold? Are you saying Marvel League? Marble Marble League. What, what is Marble League? That, Marble is League? that an anime? No, no, no. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's a YouTube channel called Gels Marble Runs, and they race marbles. Hmm. I respect that. That sounds fucking cool. Bro, they're, they're, showing cool. It, they're showing it tomorrow on ESPN at 7.30, the 2019 Winter Olympics, or Winter, Winter Marble Olympics. They're showing it uh, on on ESPN2 tomorrow. Dude, Ridiculous. ESPN must be so desperate. The world has say. ground to a halt. <laughs> I've, been watching, I've been watching it for years. It's so much fun. That's so funny. Ridiculous co- competitions like that and like esports are about to become a huge amount of ESPN's programming. Yo, 100%. They, they got dodgeball on there. They had like competitive <laughs> something, like some random shit. It was, it's wild. They're about to get Middle America into Overwatch League. Like, this is Yo, their chance. That's this is what the has been waiting for normalization of esports. Uh, and then, yeah, like, like, uh, like Pete playing. Uh, I went to. We went. We were playing. I think till two in the morning yesterday, and then I woke up at six to feed my cat. And kept playing. I got four hours of sleep last night because of uh, Animal Crossing. Dude, I have played an absurd amount of that game uh, since it came. It came. I got it at launch on Thursday night and played it for like two or three hours, and then played basically all day yesterday because there's literally nothing else that I can do. <laughs> I think I've put like at least ten to twelve hours into it already, and I'm just like, all right, like let's go. Got about a hundred and fifty more in me at least. So definitely do let us know how you guys are coping through the crisis. We want to hear from you for sure. You can write to us, like I said, at thecomicspals@gmail.com, and uh, or just join the Discord. Uh, there's a link in the description, and just you know, come chat with us. Um, as usual, we'd love to interact with you guys, and um, you know. 
hopefully you guys are doing as well as we appear to be for the time being. Um, let's yeah, jump let me know if you want to go for a walk, pools. hand in hand. Wow. Let's jump Who's into crazy first. Let me talk. Let's jump into the pals yep. bowls. <laughs> um, we are still excited about books because why not? Um, That's all we have in this age. Yep. Plenty of time. <laughs> so starting off with Marco, he chose Coffin Bound Volume One. Yes. So this is the I had brought it up when they first released that the their first issue, but the artist Danny. I've been following her for a little bit, and she's awesome. She has like this. Uh, very heavy ink style, almost like tattooish art, and it's a really really cool. Huh. Uh, it's being the book is being written by Dan Waters, um, and she's doing all the art. The additional credits there are just Brad Simpson, who I believe is on colors, and then uh, Adita Bidikar, who I've seen as an editor, I believe. And the the first two lines of this are chased by an unstoppable killer she's retreading her life leaving nothing behind but burned rubber ash and the sun-scorned bones of those who get in her way izzy tyburn has promised the world that if it won't have her in it it'll have nothing of her at all whoa hell yeah these covers are really cool yeah dude oh my god if you guys if you follow her on on instagram it's just danny d-a-n-i awesome stuff it reminds me a lot of like um Kind of like classic monster movie posters a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a really good description. Yeah. it's It's got that like very like bold, like kind of like strange, you know, vibe to it. Yeah. <clears throat> really cool. Uh, I, I very much enjoy her art and uh, to have seen it now being translated to like a comic. Cool. About it. What's Box of Rain? So Box of Rain, uh, this is actually a friend of the show, Sean Kuru Kuruneru, we had met him at Anyone Comics. Oh yes, and, and yes. So we've been chatting, and uh, he actually just released, or he's going to be releasing, a book called Box of Rain, which is a sixty-page collection of comic poems. And this is written by Jennifer Castle, and it's been a medium, uh, like an aspect of the medium that I've been very interested in. So I've been trying to like like learn a little bit more about it, uh, just kind of understand how people are utilizing comic poetry. And so yeah, so he he did he did this really cool art uh book with uh with Jennifer Castle. Uh it's being released. I ordered it, but it won't be start shipping until the first week of April. But uh so if you, if you guys are interested in it, definitely something that's super different and just kind of outside of the norm. And it's uh being drawn by a really cool dude. Sean is awesome, really great stuff. You should check out his other works, Burn Man. Yeah. I picked those check up out my and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> is a box of rain like a like a swimming pool? I don't know. I haven't gotten the book yet. Is it like a full bathtub? Uh, no, it's more like a cardboard box that gets soggy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is like Pete's house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Phil chose Wolverine number two. Yeah, man, that first issue kicked ass. Uh. <laughs> it's funny because all we ever do is talk about Wolverine on this show, but that first issue um, might have been the best single issue of this of the um, standalones outside of the mainline uh, uh, mainline X Men book of the Dawn of X series. So I'm really curious to see where we go from here. I feel like it's a it's a good way to you know kind of just put like a little bit of salve on the wound of missing Wolverine Con. You know, 
<laughs> I know everybody was really excited to see us live, but at least we no. have Wolverine 2 to look forward to. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, ben Percy. Uh, I'm really intrigued by his career now. I want to see what he does. Yeah, right. Benjamin Percy. He does have a dope-ass voice. That's true. <laughs> he sounds uh, like a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> true. Kale Charles uh, Once in Future, Volume 1. Uh, so this is a new one from uh, Kieran Gillen and uh, Dan Mora, who we have seen from uh, Claws and uh, the Power Rangers covers. Uh, so this is a book about um, a group of nationalists use uh, an ancient artifact to bring a, a villain from Arthurian myth back from the dead to gain power. Um, and a retiree uh, brings her son to... Um, it brings him into the world, and, uh, and that's, the, that's the synopsis. Um, so you can guess which part of this I'm into. Um, the retiree part, we know. Nailed it. Love a sexy old lady. Ooh. Hey. I love on the uh, on the cover, like it's just a reflection of her and a sword, and she's just holding a fucking rifle or a shotgun. I'm into it. It's good. Uh, but yeah, I Kieran Gillen was one of my big picks for uh, creator of the decade, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I'm following everything he does. And then uh, you also chose X-Ray Robot, number one. Now, I, this actually came out last week, and I didn't uh, know that it did, but I've been looking forward to it for a while. It's a, a full all-red production, uh, and those oh, are uh, super nice. rare uh, yeah. these days. Um, it's about a, uh, a guy who uh, just lives a normal life, and then a robot comes from the future and tells him that something from the past is keeping him from the future or is going to destroy the world or something. I don't know. It sounds this is rad. such kale shit. Yeah. Um, Just like the art too. It's got that very like, uh, did I say the robot, the robot is himself. I'm no, sorry. You didn't say that. The robot is Michael Allred. Yes. Oh, I like no. that. the ro the robot is the main from character the from the future. Oh, so, uh, yeah, sounds rad as hell. I'm all, it looks I'm, cool. I'm all in, uh, it's an all red, uh, an all red original, the whole all red family's in it. So I'm, I'm fucking here for it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, Pete and I both chose giant sized X-Men Nightcrawler number one. Yeah. Uh, so I, oh, that's next week. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I I loved the the Jean Grey Emma Frost giant size. Um, so if this is anything like that in terms of quality, then that's already you know that I would be interesting interested in it about pretty much any character on the board right now. But the fact that it's about Nightcrawler is like big ups because I love Nightcrawler. He hasn't really had that much to do with what's been going on except until very very recently when they set up his new arc and like him you know having this kind of new religious awakening and wanting to start a mutant religion so i'm hoping that that's what this is going to be about you know and whatever that is like yeah let's go and the fact that these are all supposed to be like very like artist show casey and everything he's a character with such an awesome visual design and like 
so much cool stuff that you can do with him and the way that he travels, the way that he looks at the world. So, like, yeah, I, I feel like this one's going to be another banger for sure. So he's uh, – Hickman is teaming up with Alan Davis for this issue. And uh, it's going to be a – it says uh, they team up for an eerie tale of adventure. When the X-Men lose contact with the Grey Malkin habitat, it falls to Nightcrawler to lead a mission into the unknown. So, doesn't quite sound like a follow-up to what we saw in X-Men. Classic Hickman. Yeah. But, it does... He's going to introduce a new thread. It does sound pretty cool either way. And I like how he's He's a classic uh, X-Men artist as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then, myself, Pete, and Phil all chose X-Men number nine. Yeah, we like good shit on this show, right? Yeah. X-Men number eight was not the best. It was cool, but it didn't really... I think I said it didn't feel satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yes, you did. And uh, it looks like X-Men number nine is actually going to pick up from from eight, which is rare for this book. A rare move, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's really weird. Yeah. Um, so at least there's that. At least we'll be getting some follow up to what we saw in eight. Maybe it'll kind of not make it more make more sense, but uh, resolve it in such a way that it feels good um, and actually advance the overall narrative. Although I'm not quite sure how that could happen. Um, the X Men are in a weird place because we know X of uh, Ten of Swords is coming, but we don't know how they're getting there. Uh, hopefully, the X Men book can start the road to that. So, still loving it. Still a great book. Lanil Yu's coming back. Love that. X-Men number nine. So, this week, uh, we've got, like I said, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, COVID stuff to talk about and how it's been affecting the industry. Unfortunately, not a lot of uh, non-coronavirus stuff happening in the news. Um, But we're going to do this in a little bit of a different way. So, we're going to talk about the bad this week. Then we're going to talk about the good, and then we're going to talk about the ugly, and we're going to Hell yeah. kind of wrap that all in a, in a bow uh, at the end and talk about the state of the comics industry as a result of this virus. So we're going to kick things off with something that really set the internet ablaze, but I think especially in the context of everything else that's going on is really just a bad thing and not the worst thing that could be happening. So we're going to talk about... Marvel's New Warriors. Now, Marvel uh, put out a trailer this week for the New Warriors book that's going to be coming out soon. Um, uh, Daniel Kibblesmith is teaming up with uh, Luciano Vecchio to tell this story. Um, And it's supposed to be coming out on April 15th. We'll see if that, that date is actually reached just because of, you know, what's going on. Um, but within the trailer, there were sheets, character sheets, to showcase these new characters and sort of what they're about. Um, and, you know, there were some cool ones. I, I thought Screen Time was a cool character. He's a he's a teen whose brain is basically co- connected with the internet. Um, his name is Screen Time. He's a meme-obsessed super teen. That's what it says. Um but the the characters that people were upset about are Snowflake and Safe Space. 
and they're described as psychic twins, Snowflake, a cryokinetic, a cryokinetic can materialize snowflake-shaped shuriken projectiles for throwing. Safe space can materialize pink force fields, but he can't inhabit them himself. The reflex only works if he's protecting others. They're hyper-aware of modern culture and optics, and they see their superheroics as a post-ironic meditation on using violence to combat bullying. Uh, so Snowflake, I'm pretty sure, is non-binary. And, of course, that's a big reason why this has made headlines. Um, regarding those characters, Kibble Smith had the following to say he said, Snowflake and Safe Space are very similar to screen time. It's this idea that these are terms that get thrown around on the internet that they don't see as derogatory. They take those words and kind of wear them as badges of honor. Snowflake is the person who has the more offensive power, and Safe Space is the person who has the more defensive power. The idea is that they would mirror each other and complement each other. People are pissed. People are very <laughs> mad. Um, what do you guys think about that? This was all types of what, what what was the thing that that he said? It's an ironic something. This was all types of fucking post ironic. Ironic, yeah. Post ironic meditation. This was exactly what that was. Fucking ironic. Um, it's so I I, I have two minds to this because like it it makes sense as to what he's what he's thinking about and what he wants to to say, but I don't think he is the person to be saying it like yes the the words in particular for example like like snowflake is derogatory and yes being able to reclaim a word is empowering but with respect to the people claiming it like how gay was derogatory but now it's been claimed by the community I don't know that he he's he he's an ally to the community, but I don't know that he is somebody who is who can identify with that, and that makes it dicey because you're claiming a word on behalf of another community that is marginalized, and I think that's the the issue with it, where there's a bit of dissonance in the approach. Um, and also like, I think I think the artist is either queer or yes, right, yes, yeah, the artist is. um, which is like fine but there, there there must have been at least some sort of communication where like hey maybe this approach is i, I guess it's like not a cross to be burdened by you to, to some to some some extent and there are plenty of other creators who can do this who 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 could have been put up on this platform in, in order to be able to maybe a, a little more authentically obviously we haven't seen the actual content of it but just from from the names themselves, I think it's too on the nose for somebody directly outside of the community that can only be considered an ally. Yeah, so I I think I, I agree with a lot of what Marco said there where I think I'm of two minds with this where people being angry about it. Um, I think if people are mad about it from a content level, if they're like – because I'm sure that there are people who are just like, oh, like – a non-binary character is them pushing a political agenda, blah, 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 blah. Those are the same people who will also say when they make a character gay or change their race or something, why don't you just make new characters? So in that mindset, right? Okay, great. 
I think the the idea behind being like, let's make new characters that are representative of Gen Z and their culture and the way that, you know, they are different and have characters that speak to their generation, right? Tight. I think that's a great idea. I also agree with what Marco said where I feel like this feels super cringy and like very much like an old dude writing about youth culture maybe, maybe and pandering. daniel kibblesmith is not pa- pandering is a better word sorry, than, no pandering i think might be a better word than than cringy i think like like it, it's pandering to the community i mean i think it, i think it's both mm. like that's the thing is i think it i think it i think it it wants to be pandering but i don't think that these things are like like i don't think that a young uh, non-binary person who might be interested in reading comics is going to see a character named Snowflake and be like, oh yeah, there you go, that's the character for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's both. I think it wants to be pandering, but it's so cringy that it it will not appeal to the people that it's trying to appeal to and will piss off the people who it already was never going to appeal to. And like I, w- I was going to say, he's not super old. He's 36, but like he's not a Zoomer. You know, like, he's not even a millennial, really. Like, you know, like, I I feel like it. if you want to do this kind of thing, like, have it be a younger writer that, you know, like, is a non-binary person who's in that culture or something like that. Like, I don't know. I think the entire thing just feels very much like, let's try to capitalize on youth culture, you know? And it it feels like super – it reminds me of, like, when you had that – late 90s early 2000 like commodification of like skateboard culture right where it's just like extreme bro like it's the same kind of bullshit it's just the zoomer version of that this yeah this article directly references that from like uh uh the original new warriors cast um i can't i'm I'm looking at the article and i can't i can't find what i'm Oh, is this the quote it's saw. from Ben uh, – or um, not from Ben, sorry, Daniel – saying the New Warriors have been zeitgeist characters from the beginning. You get edgy skateboarding yes. Night Thrasher in the 90s and the reality TV team in the 2000s. And now in 2020, we have New Warriors who have never grown up without the internet and one character who appears to essentially live inside it. Yes, that's exactly the one. Uh, yeah, to, this feels I, – I, I think the way you describe it, Pete, it feels dead on, especially – in the characters of screen time snowflake and safe space like these these feel like internet buzzwords that he just put together as uh superhero names it feels like he worked backwards from them where right where he's like oh i'm gonna name them these things let me make characters that make sense with that you know me a meme obsessed super teen right what to be to be appropriate for a second since we're talking about the meme obsessed teen there's a meme that adequately summarizes this, which is the Phil. one of, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the 30 rock scene. Hello, fellow youths. <laughs> How do oh, you do yeah. fellow kids? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I gotta, so I, I gotta say, I, I really don't understand the narrative of, oh, well, they should have let someone who, you know, is a part of that culture do this. And the reason why I don't understand it is because the assumption there is that this is editorial, but it's his idea. So if it's his idea, no one else can do it. It's not like, oh, I have this idea, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to pass it off to whoever. 
You know, it's his, it's his book. He's writing it. And he came up with these characters. Who else is going to write it? I don't get then that. I, then, then in that case, I think editorial should have came in and be like, hey, this is uh, this is a little more sensitive than sort of the way you're portraying it. Uh, you mean you wanted you wanted Akira Yoshida to step in and and, <laughs> I and think, step down a character called Snowflake? I, I think what Sean's saying is definitely valid, though, right? Yeah, Where like yeah, yeah. Uh, Daniel's if it's if this is his idea and this is his vision, like he's certainly you know um, welcome to it, right? And the guy's like an award-winning writer, so like there's a chance that it's good, and these names are just dumb, but. Yeah, I, I think, I think in general, it just it just feels like a, I don't want to say a misstep because it hasn't happened yet, right? So like we're judging something that doesn't exist, but like on the onset, this feels like it feels weird, and and I I said cringy, and I'll stand by that, and I and I think it feels like a narrative that they probably should have anticipated a little bit of like. This is not going to go over super well. This is kind of tone deaf. This is kind of – but that's the thing, right? Who are the people approving these kind of decisions? It's a bunch of old people, you know, like, you know, and not old, old, but, you know, like people in their 40s don't know what youth culture – like we don't even get it and we're close, way closer in age to them than they are, you know, so – it just feels like weird. I think whatever age these characters were, there would have been this problem. I really don't think their age is a factor. I think that people are – we live in a, in a culture where people just really want to be mad. And I think it's funny That's that true. characters like this are provoking this reaction because, quite frankly, no one has read the book. So how do you know? If it's good or bad, you know, I think I agree with that. It's cringy. Like my first reaction was like, oh, this is stupid, but <laughs> um, dumb names. It could. It, I mean, it could be good. I certainly don't have a problem with a non-binary character. And I think, you know, my my example is always Bendis, right? Like Bendis wrote Miles Morales. He birthed that character into, you know, Marvel Comics. And that character is a staple now. And a lot of people were not happy with the fact that a white dude was writing a black Hispanic character. And look at that now, you know. And everybody makes fun of Bendis, but he's the one that did that. But he also didn't call him La Rania Negra, right? Like he didn't, he didn't like straight up call him like, like specifically <laughs> call out the fact that he is something. Like, like yep. to me, this was like, oh, check it out. This is this is Juan El Rochero and he's like fucking Argentinian. It's like, no, bro, that's not, that's not the shit that, that, that's not, those two things don't correlate. So are you saying that these characters are snowflakes and need safe spaces? What? Because that's what that would mean. No. If you're, if you're, if you're equating the idea that Bendis named Miles Morales something that was on the nose about who he is because he's black and he's Spider-Man if he was named Black Spider-Man if you're equa- you're equating that to naming these characters Snowflake and Safe Space implying that 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 those names suit them regarding who they are whereas my argument is that that's not the case that the name is supposed to be ironic and that it's not representative of who they are but it it doesn't it is ironic but it's not in any way that is actually like 
when when you see that and directly tie it to non-binary the because of the way that right now we we associate those words that that irony isn't actually like received in 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 my opinion it's not it's not received the way that it's intended to be i think it's still looked at as snowflake uh, as a more derogatory word than actually something that has been like you can i don't know i'm like to my early example, gay has been reclaimed, right? That that like queer, right? Queer, like, right? Queer yeah. used to be pejorative, and now it's like a, a term the community has reappropriated. Right, and and that hasn't happened yet for these for these words to some extent. And I think by tying it to the this identity is the part that hasn't that is is the more uh, not wrong, but like is the more questionable part. I just don't I just don't see that because that. The that implies that those characters are that, and they're just not. Like maybe maybe they are. We don't know. And the fact of the matter is that when people, the people who are the most likely to be to need a safe space are the same people who use that phrase, right? Like on the internet. And so, I, <laughs> yeah, and sure. so I love this for that. I love this for hey, um, I'm in your face. You know, and can you handle this? Do you need a safe space? You know, I I love I love that I love that element of this. Huh. Interesting. Uh, now that you said that, I'm rereading sort of safe spaces idea, uh, his concept. He can materialize pink force fields, but can't inhabit them himself. So uh, similar, you know, I, I, my understanding earlier on, and I don't know if this is true, I, is that they were both non-binary because they're twins i don't don't quote me on that i don't know that's true well one of them is specifically one of them is specifically called out as he so okay fair enough um but being being a person of color and i you know he can create these force fields where he can give people safety but he can't be in it himself he's always directly in the line of fire because of who he is that's that's pretty interesting i'm not saying I don't know. Uh, for me, these names are. It's like I say, like like we've said, cringy. Um, but um, that now that I sort of get that, it's not terrible. Like it's not a terrible concept, and I can see where it came from. I still hate screen time, though. That's I just that's bad. <laughs> Yo, her powers. Yeah, are, I, I, their powers are pretty cool, though. Ice, ice shurikens. It, I mean, it's really dope. just the names that turn me off. Like, I don't think the the designs are bad, or the powers aren't bad either. You know, like they're they're definitely it's it's just like the names. But to Sean's point, like we don't know what these characters are like, or like how how they're gonna kind of like contextualize those things. So I think to to your point, Sean, I think we need to just wait. And see how the book is. Hot off the press, Marco says, misstep. To cap this conversation off, Bleeding Cool ran a a an article that <laughs> uh, basically said, you know, Marvel puts out a book that that ignores and alienates all their lifelong fans, and it describes the idea that they're they're releasing a book where they're they're you know bringing in more diversity and trying to appeal to a market that doesn't exist. And then it goes on to describe, it goes on to name the book as giant size X-Men number one. Uh, Of course, a joke arguing, how could you be mad about this? 
idea of the new warriors when we've accepted huge sweeping changes and historically people have been mad about stuff that they had no business being mad about just like people had no business being mad about that they have no business being mad about this that was um rich johnson's point on the book and uh, i tend to agree i think people should give it a chance if it sucks then then <laughs> be wolves but until then i think we should just you know let it come out yeah I think that's definitely the the right way to look at anything like this. It's like let it come out, and if it sucks, let you know, let it speak for itself. Who cares? Yeah, we'll see. One thing, one thing I would like to point out is that Screen Time's origin to take out the meme obsessed super teen. His brain became connected to the internet after becoming exposed to his grandfather's experimental internet. I saw gas. That. I love it. <laughs> you know what? Most comic book shit ever. That's some. <laughs> That's some golden age fucking flash shit. Like I'm into that. I, also, can I we talk about getting more into it? <laughs> can we can we just really quickly talk about the other two characters who like didn't get as much controversy? I like how uh Trailblazer is the one girl's name and her power is that she has a magic backpack. That was cool. That was cool. <laughs> honestly, it's honestly just funny though. <laughs> Trailblazer and B negative are the two out of this whole group that I could see actually having like a life outside of Outside of uh, uh, whatever they're doing here, well, people yeah, are getting I mean, be negative. People are getting mad about uh, Trailblazer because they're like, "Oh, but having a magic backpack's not a superpower. It's stupid." Well, neither is having a dinosaur. <laughs> um, neither is being Batman. Neither is being Batman. No, definitely He's got a magic belt. No, definitely superpower. Hawkeye has a fucking bow and arrow. You don't need to have superpowers superpower. to be a superhero. <laughs> but yeah, no, like. Be negative, and he and all his like hot topic glory is hilarious too. <laughs> yeah, I, I they love call it. me Young Morbius. <laughs> is hot topic even cool anymore? No, it, it still exists. Man, you, I don't know hey, how man, cool it is, but you are asking the wrong people. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so. The film industry obviously is suffering as a result of the coronavirus and uh, all movie theaters are, are shut down at this point. You can't go see a movie anymore. Um, and that leaves a lot of things up in the air. Black Widow has officially been delayed, uh, which we kind of, you know, talked about last week in terms of whether or not they would do it. Oh, wow. They're going to they're gonna push back a woman movie? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Who's a this woman character? movie. um so now the question since that's answered the question is what do we do with wonder woman 1984 which is kind of the next movie up the next big film up um with everything else pushed back or delayed um and the question is should it go to digital digital release um the rap is saying that warner brothers executives are considering doing just that and uh toby emmerich who is the uh chairman of warner brothers is talking to his most sort of reliable confidants about what to do here um the rap says the concern the insiders said is that there is no known date for movie theaters to reopen and there may be a shortage of favorable dates once theaters do come back online for the many films that have been postponed uh, according to the article neither 
Patty Jenkins or Charles Rovin, who are the director slash writer and producer, respectively, have been spoken to about what to do or have been really consulted. Um, but they don't appear to want the movie to come out uh, digitally. Rovin talked to the rap about this, actually, and said, It's ludicrous if you consider how big a movie this is. Everybody recognizes that. As interesting as streaming might be, if you want a huge global worldwide box office, you've got to release it in a movie theater. So with how things are changing, right, this movie's supposed to come out June 4th. And I think that a lot of people are coming around to the idea that this is not going to be a two-week, month-long thing. This is probably going to stretch out. And even once things start to reopen, this will still linger on. And, and it will affect people's desire or willingness to leave the house and go to a movie theater. So with that being said, do you think the right thing to do is to just push this movie back and then figure it out later? Or just put it out on a streaming service and kind of let it do what it's going to do? I think uh, I think the right thing to do from from Warner Brothers would be to uh, first and foremost release the Snyder cut and <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> no, Let's I, I, go. I, I, I feel like I said this last week. Like I think this this would be a smart move. Just release it, stream it. That that's where you're going to see the most people, especially considering that everyone's going to be stuck at home. Like you're going to see the most people go and actually watch it. You can probably even. Uh, sure, you have like uh, what is it contracts with the movie theaters, but if they don't know when it's gonna launch, you can still put a rent this movie for X number of dollars, and you can maybe even increase it a little bit and not and not have to worry about cutting it against the the movie theaters to whatever breach of contract. But you can you can make a little bit more profit based off of that potentially, and if you have it alongside a streaming service, ha- have somebody who can uh sign up for the first time you give it to them for free you have that person rather than uh it comes out cheaper for them because to go see a movie is like what 30 bucks versus signing up for a service is 10 12 dollars and then you might even have have them for a longer period of time to that point uh dreamworks just released uh trolls 2 yes on streaming and you can rent it for like 20, 20 bucks, bucks or something and a lot of people were upset about that price but you know the uh, the the idea is just like well it is a brand new movie like come on <laughs> yeah, the argument is go um, to a movie theater then well no because <laughs> yeah. when you consider that um if let's say you you take your your kids to see trolls it's going to run you way more than 20 bucks right yep yep um if i want to go see wonder woman 1984 with just my girlfriend that's going to be you know 40 dollars almost a little less than like thirty two dollars, so this so this is saving you money for sure to do it that way, yeah, which is bad for them. For sure. Um. So one of the things that I wanted to call out was in the Newsarama article that that we're referencing here. It says that WB is reportedly considering offering it as an individual digital purchase, not as one of the streaming services like DC Universe or HBO Max, which. I wanted to bring that up because obviously there's the Trolls example that Kale just threw out there. But then there was also – I just saw last night Disney made the decision to take – what is it? Onward, I think, is the new Pixar movie. Yes. That was in theaters for like a week or so before everything went to shit. And now they're going to be putting that on Disney Plus um, as like an advanced thing. And I think that – I think that there's a really interesting opportunity here because – 
I totally think that the one option that you threw out there, Sean, of just delaying and seeing how things go and like adjusting your strategy accordingly is probably the safe move right now. Uh, however, with where we're at, you know, and how things are going with with this whole COVID situation, I think that companies are presented with a really, really interesting opportunity to experiment with different forms of distribution that have historically been things that fans or consumers have asked for, but for whatever reason, they don't make sense, right? Because they lose a certain amount of money or because there are contracts that be with retail providers or movie theaters or whoever, a lot of these brick and mortar stores are going to be closed for a long time or not stores, but you get what I mean, like locations are going to be closed and a lot of them are going to close down. And the idea of this resulting in a significant paradigm shift for how movies are like sold and marketed and stuff like that isn't insane because to Sean's point about the individual pricing, that does probably represent a loss, right? Because then you could have a situation where four or five people, you know, in a family or whatever, watch a movie for 20 bucks rather than for what would that be if it was a family of five? That's like hundreds of hundred. I mean, a hundred bucks if they, if you go yeah. even just go by that price. Right. So, and that, that represents a loss. But to Marco's point, and if you look at what Disney's doing, if you can funnel those people into a streaming service, especially during this whole scenario right now where everybody's stuck home and looking for things to do and you don't have Disney Plus or you don't have HBO Max and you're like, well, I want to watch the new Pixar movie or I want to watch the new Wonder Woman movie. I'm bored and I got the kids home and whatever. You get this thing. They're in the door for the trial. A, st a statistically significant number of those people will probably not unsubscribe. They'll let their $10 a month subscription go indefinitely because, oh, it gives the kids a bunch of shit to watch. Or, oh, it's easier for me to just have it on in the background and watch something when I want to watch it rather than cancel it when I'm done watching what I'm watching and re-up it. A lot of people do that. And that's, like, why things like Netflix are so freaking profitable, you know? Um, so, like, I, and the last thing I want to say on this is the one quote that you read about how this is such a big movie and how that is kind of making producers gun shy about, or, you know, the company's gun shy about doing this kind of release. That's the thing that's so interesting though, right? Is like, if you do this with a blockbuster level movie, a movie that costs this much, that has this level of star and everything, like, what does that look like? Like, what are the returns on that? Like, what is that moment where you don't have to go out to the movie theater? Everybody already has it, you know, or everybody can, for $12, get their foot in the door, you know? And how does that change the conversation around the film? How does that change the way that it works for international markets and everything like that? I, you need to do it with a movie this massive to really see what it looks like. Um, the, 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 real, the real reality here is I think we're – if – regardless of how you would put it out within the next three to five months, they're going to operate at a loss because the, the, the situation is people don't, people are losing their jobs on mass and people are going to be losing money. And a lot of the financial experts have been talking about how some of the first things are going to be going are things like Netflix, Hulu, and, 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 you know, Disney plus and households because they're luxury items. And if you don't have, money coming into your house you can't afford a streaming service so those are going to be some of the first things that people are not going to be able to afford to pay for and that's not just for that but that will also apply for movie theaters because a lot of financial experts are talking about as soon as next quarter we could be hitting a massive recession 
bigger than the one in the uh, financial housing crisis from 2007 and 2008. So if you're Disney or Warner Brothers, that's another angle that you have to be considering is what will what will uh, help you stomach a lesser loss putting it on a streaming service now or risking putting it in theaters in three months or so from now when there's also a great risk of people becoming contaminated with COVID-19 again because while you know quarantine and, and and social isolation is 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 how we'll fight it in the short term this will still you know this will this will make a return again unless a vaccine is developed we see that in history i mean you know like there were multiple waves of the plague in europe and the throughout the you know 1400s 1500s 1600s spanish flu the same thing 100 years ago so until there is like a vaccination created like we run the risk of this thing coming back again in a few months regardless so maybe the best solution is to put it on streaming service right now before things get worse right and then, and then to, to that point actually if you think about it you, and and to what you said right people can't afford to go to the movie theaters anyway because it's marginally more expensive than to put it on a streaming service if in the long term even if you put it uh if those people are struggling to uh even pay for these services when they do finally develop the cure however number of months down the road when they are able to go back and either choose between a streaming service or a movie theater i still think that they're going to be able to, to they're going to choose the streaming service because it comes out more co- uh more cost effective anyway in the long term so even in the in both in the short term and in the long term the math breaks out to being more beneficial uh for putting it on streaming so long as the movie theaters are up and running and even past that because you still have to consider the people who have lost that re- that revenue in in the meantime and who don't have the means to be able to build up to be like oh you know movie theaters are going to become a luxury at that point right and i, I think to that point marco and um you're you're definitely not wrong phil in terms of the fact that like when money gets tight you know extras are the thing to go but i also think that something like a streaming service and not all of them right i think the reality of like people like me who have like two or three of them that's probably going to change a lot but it might be yeah, reduced I, to just one right right exactly and i think that that's the conversation then though right is if you're disney you want to be the one and how are you the one you have content that everyone's talking about that you can't get anywhere else and a library that you can leverage. If you have kids right now and your kids are all home and you have nothing to do with them, you need something that's going to give you the most bang for your buck. And if you can be like, sit them down in front of Disney plus and you've got, Oh cool. Like the new Pixar movies out. Let's watch that. Great. When they're done, there's uh what 70 years worth of Disney movies and TV shows that I can sit them in front of and get them to shut up for an hour and a half, you know, like that, that is something that is a luxury, but it's also not totally if in certain situations, right? Like even if you're broke, that $12 a month that could distract your kids long enough for you to do your job or anything else is like something that people are still going to invest in. Like people do invest in entertainment even in lean times because we need it, you know? And it's how do you be the one that is indispensable? But here's the thing. First of all, you guys are comparing movies that already came out and were then put on streaming services versus a movie that hasn't come out. So realistically, Onward, 
Bloodshot, etc. made all the money they were going to make in theaters because theaters are closed. So in order to continue to make money off of those things, you have to release them. And that makes sense. But when you consider the real actual reality of how much money Wonder Woman 1984 costs versus how much it would have made in theaters versus how much it won't make if you put it on a streaming service, it's very easy to understand why this is not going to happen. That's a huge gamble. I don't think you can risk because it's not like. Toby Emmerich, it's his money. He's just like, eh, let me see what happens. You're talking about investors. You're talking about a lot of people whose money is on the line. And this movie has to be a success. So even if they can't make their money on it right now, big tentpole movies get delayed all the time. But what never happens is they never throw those movies out to the wolves. If that was a realistic thing, I think Disney would have put New Mutants out a long time ago just to get that thing out the way. But they're not doing that because there's so much money to be made in theaters. And I think even if you factor in the the, the fact, when, and it is, that people won't want to go to the movies as much, it's we're talking about $16 in my, in my area, a ticket, versus, what, $20 to buy the thing or, or $6 to rent it or $12 for the streaming service. If, if I have a family of five, and I pay uh, $12 for the streaming service versus us all going to the theater, the math just doesn't work out. And there's no way you can justify that. Unless people don't cancel, right? Like if people who weren't going to subscribe to the service subscribe and stay subscribed for a year or two or whatever, that would be when that return would be worth it. But like you said, that's such a huge if. But I guess the question is, how long can you delay the movie? Because you're right, big tempo movies get delayed all the time. But can they delay all of the big tempo movies that they spent these millions and millions of dollars to produce? And how long can you before that fucks up your your numbers enough anyway that you take the game? It's not even their money. It's 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 you know they have uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? Investors and people like that who put money shareholders, in, shareholders who right. put money into these things. It, 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 yes, I'm sure a portion of it is their money, but a lot of it isn't. So what I was going to say is, this is what I was going to say at the outset of this conversation, is if I am a major studio with this film, with these films, I honestly delay as much as I can because a lot of production for other movies has already been delayed. You hear about the new Fast and Furious movies been delayed. Uh, so there's no real... There's no real... Like, all the calendar's already been fucked up. All the movies that were going to come out a year from now, that's not happening anymore because they can't come out a year from now because everything has been, uh, it's been fucked up. So if you're, you know, if you're, if you're Disney with Black Widow or, or Warner Brothers with Wonder Woman, I don't think, uh, you're already at this point operating at a loss because your stock has nosedived. And that's not any fault of your own. That's just investors are panicking because of what's happening around the planet. So, honestly, I don't think it hurts waiting to release these movies a year from now. I mean, it hurts, but yep. you, at this point, it's an opportunity cost decision. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I see, I, I see that you could be... The opportunity cost, I think, is that you could be an innovator and leader in this space that has been tested. And if you're a Disney... 
you can you can operate at you, you can operate at the loss to whatever respect that is agreeable to an investor but you're able to then manipulate it in a way with iterative releases to be able to make a profit to be able to to work it to a system where you might even be able to have the dual revenue of uh, releasing it on streaming as well as uh, releasing it in movies when it does come out like i i think there there's there's a way for them to be able to innovate enough that this becomes a new acceptable reality to people and yeah. becomes something that is applied moving forward i think that's true but i don't think we're there yet yeah, yeah, I think I think Kale's probably right. I think until movie theaters are even less ubiquitous than they are right now, that becomes a tough value prop. But I, I, I think about it in the same way, uh, and this is like kind of a messy comparison, but um, take a walk with me. Like, it reminds me of the conversation around um, six feet away, but stay two meters yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> safe, safe social distance away. Um, th- like, think about the way that. Uh, that like video games are released on different platforms, right? And there's like the logic of if you like have a game that's exclusive on a platform, right? And you get some kickback from a publisher or whatever that can subsidize your costs a certain amount and it guarantees a certain amount of income. And there's also the ability to like put it on all these different platforms and, you know, hope that you uh, get to a broader audience, right? And there is truth to the idea that, like, releasing on a broader audience can, like, cannibalize your sales in some markets. But, like, you look at, like, people who play on PC are probably not going to buy a game on a console, right? So, like, you putting your game out on those two different marketplaces, they're not necessarily competing with each other because, yeah, maybe I own both of them and I buy it on one platform versus the other. But I might not have ever gotten it because I don't go to the movies, right? In that in this analogy. So you could potentially be able to charge people more who would have waited and gotten it later for six bucks or whatever on the rental and make them pay that day one upcharge of, oh, well, you could go to the movie theater or you can watch it at home and it's $20 for a 24-hour rental or whatever they're doing with this Trolls movie. And maybe you actually end up making more money than we think because there's a statistically significant number of people who are never going to go to the movies and see that movie anyway. And I agree with Kale where I don't think we're there yet, but to Sean's point with the context of like this illness and how long that's going to make people gun shy about going to the movies, when does that tipping point come if ever like, and could it come, you know, it's, it's an interesting thought of, is there a point where diversifying your revenue streams is the safer move? There's another thing know. to be said here where um, going to a live event, whether it's a sporting event, a sh- like a music event, uh, what have you, including the movies, there, there's a wrestling term where it's like it's a draw. And going to the movies to see a giant movie, that, that movie's a draw. And yep. if you start exclusively putting it on home video, which is already kind of stigmatized as being lesser yep. than, that genuinely could hurt the perception of it because a big reason I think a lot of people go see a giant blockbuster is because everyone's going to see a giant blockbuster. But see, for, for me, and maybe, maybe this is just me, but like, I don't think that per- perceptions, perceptions can be changed. Uh, I think it just takes time, and I don't think that just because it's put on the big screen like like we like the reason i go see these movies uh, uh 
or I, I, I don't. It's only the movies that, like, <laughs> like that, that we go that we go see because like we're, we're doing a review or whatever. But I, I don't want. I don't like the experience. I don't want to be in that experience. I would much rather have it at in my in my home. Like I grew up watching it, watching the VHS tapes. I grew up watching you know whatever DVDs. Like I don't care for the experience because I don't want to be overcharged. I don't want to be oversold on popcorn. Like I can make my own popcorn. I can do all this other shit. And for me, being there, being part of the moment is fine but it's been exclusively the moment it's only been exclusive to you have to go to the movies if i can be part of that moment i can be and and they can stream it i can still be part of the conversation because that's what i've cared more about is being part of the conversation but i've been restricted to having to go through this process in order to be part of that conversation yeah i i agree with you marco um because like i think about something like a like a movie like like okay like great right when we went and did our anyone comic shoot Phil Marco and I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a movie I had heard a lot of great stuff about. I had really wanted to see. I wasn't going to go see it in a movie theater because right. I just don't go to the movies that often because it's expensive and they're cheaper, more fun dates to have, you know? Um, so I'm more likely to wait for a movie to come out, but then oftentimes I don't watch it at all. Whereas like if when Parasite was out and, you know, Phil went and saw it and he was like, you have to watch it. It's the best movie of the year. If I could immediately go and download it, even if it was 20 bucks or whatever I would have, for 100%. 24 hours, I would have done it. Yeah, because I wanted to have the conversation with him, you know, and I think I think I could have can justified that in my mind a little bit better. And I wonder how many people are like that, you know, not enough Especially to stop like these that. movies because they are juggernauts. But we got to move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Comics Pro has put out a press, not a press release, but uh, a, a letter um, that they've put out to, you know, just sharing with everybody who's involved in it to talk about the issues that we're experiencing in the direct market and what we can do to try to help and save it. Um, it's it's not an overstatement, I don't think, to say that um, comics retailers are in a bind right now. And... I would argue maybe more than any like type of store, you know, um, because they're already in a weird spot. And they've always been in a weird spot. Um, so I'm going to read from what Comics Pro Executive Director Marco Devanzo uh, put out in this letter. And we're going to talk about um, some of the ways that we're already seeing a reaction from the industry to the things that are in this letter um, and, and how the industry is trying to help save itself. So this is what he had to say. The Comics Pro Board of Directors wants to thank comics publishers who are working with the retail community to lessen the impact of the COVID-19 virus. Image Comics, Dynamite Entertainment, and Boom Studios have or will announce returnability programs for their books during the crisis. The board would also like to thank former DC executive Paul Levitz for penning an opinion column on ICV-2 suggesting returnability and other steps that publishers and Diamond can take. The board would also like to suggest other ways that Diamond Comics and the publishers can help save the comic industry. These five suggestions are based on the fact that comic book stores are the linchpin of the comic industry. Without a healthy, functioning comic store network, the comic book industry will implode. Returnability of all comics and graphic novels shipped during the COVID-19 virus. Extended terms. This is especially necessary for the most vulnerable stores, the ones on COD. No interest payments for back debt incurred during the crisis. 
Interest payments can cripple comic book stores. Tempor- temporarily raising the discount levels and making sure that reduced orders due to closings and reduced traffic don't affect these higher discount levels. By lowering the product cost to retailers, we will have more monies to be able to weather the storm. Publishers should limit output, push major projects back, slow everything down. Fewer titles means less cost to retailers. Additionally, the Comics Pro Board of Directors suggests we postpone free comic book day by at least a month, reopen final order cutoff, and also offer extended terms for free comic book day items. And we suggest publishers postpone their free comic book day related launches to coincide with this new date. Currently, free comic book day falls under the two-month window in which the CDC has suggested that no more than 50 people can congregate. We believe that having free comic book data in this window will be viewed negatively by the public. So that's the letter. A lot of the things that we just that I just read off are being done or being discussed by publishers. And I think that uh, we're seeing a proper response in a lot of ways, but an improper response in some other ways. So first, I want to ask you guys, What do you feel about this letter in terms of, do you think this is going far enough or is there more that has to be done? And then after that, we're going to talk about what we've seen from the industry in response, not necessarily response to this letter, but the things that they've done that have coincided with this letter. I think I'm I'm typically uh, a little more extreme on this in that, you know, fuck Diamond Comics and their monopoly. And I think, you know, Preach. If 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 there had been a better distribution and supply chain and better systematic, a more modern system, I think this some of these would have probably greater impact. Um, but I do think that the steps that are being taken are, are are good. They're they're definitely more than what I would have thought. Like the no interest payments, that was that's awesome. Um, the the discount levels. Uh, these sorry before you. These are suggestions by the. Comics Pro retailers, yes. Yes. not yes. things that are that are being right, done. These oh, are oh, things right, right. that these are wait. These are things that are being done. These are they are being done. They're not requests. They're requests. But what what I was I guess maybe I should have just read some of the things that are being done in response without letting you guys talk. But other publishers are already doing a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's we're going to talk about it later. But Free Comic Book Day yeah. is canceled. Um, so we're just talking about the scope of these yeah. as like, are these enough? Are these moves yeah. enough? Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. So right. with with that in mind, I would say these feel representative of I think I don't want to say the the bare minimum because the bare minimum is less than this for sure. But I I think that this this feels like the the floor of where it should be because I think that the 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 one sentence. These suggestions are based on the fact that comic book stores are the linchpin of the comic book industry. Without healthy, healthy functioning comic book store network, the comic book industry will implode. I think that's unarguably true, right? We've talked about that on this show dozens, if not hundreds of times at this point about how the fact that comic book stores are the backbone of the industry is like the the facts. Whether that's a good or bad thing, whatever, that is the reality right now. And if publishers, distributors, and stores don't 
pull together and weather this storm together as much as they can, a lot of them will not survive because comics are already a niche industry that run on shoestring budgets. If you listen to our interview with anyone comics, Demetrios talked about how like tight their budget can be, right? And like how that affects him personally and his income. And under normal circumstances. People like that right, under normal circumstances, like on on a good month, that's still the reality. If if a business like his is forced to close for months, like that's it, man. Or if they if they're not given these kinds of you know, um, I don't. I don't want to say like, like for this kind of. I guess like forgiveness, whatever, right? Of these debts, relief. of these things, relief. Yeah. Yes, that's a great. Thank you, Kale. If they're not given this kind of relief, those businesses cannot survive, and that means that neighborhood doesn't have a comic book store anymore. How many people does that mean? stop picking up their books or pick up less books or don't go to their community events and get turned on as new readers. Like that, that's the funnel. That's the fucking business funnel of this industry. Comic book stores are the lifeblood of comics and they can't survive under this kind of stress. They simply can't. This isn't just comic book stores. This is pretty much any business that is, uh, surviving, uh, and any given two-week window based on its revenue that it gets from people coming in, the, the restaurants, bars, music stores, music venues, like any place that is operating on a shoestring budget like a comic book store needs a rent suspension so that they don't have to pay to be there during this crisis because people aren't allowed to go out because most cities are on lockdown at this point. Non-essential businesses for many states are shut down and for good reason because people can't congregate in groups of more than 10. So like the, the big thing here is the federal government and, and state and local governments need to help these businesses survive by basically saying, let's put the world on pause. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, let, let's, let's talk about some of the things that, that are being done and let's, let's start with, you know, who's leading the charge here. And that's, that's really image. Uh, Image was the first... As always. Yes. Image was the first major publisher to get out on Front Street. Eric Stevenson uh, came out and shared a letter um, with other publishers. And I don't even think this was... This wasn't disseminated to the public. Uh, Newsarama got a hold of it and they shared it with permission. But I feel like this was just for publishers. He said... I'm not going to read necessarily the entire thing, um, but he said, um, we are all living through a moment of momentous change as we struggle to deal with the effects of COVID-19. We can't simply pretend it's business as usual. What frustrates me the most right now is that I know how horrifying that uncertainty must be for our retail partners when customers were electing to stay out of shops as a public safety measure that was bad enough. But now that all non-essential businesses are being ordered to close, the fallout from such closures will certainly cause an economic ripple effect with unknown outcome. We've already outlined some of what we're doing at Image. We're now making all new product on final order cutoff for the next 60 days returnable. And we are prepared to extend that as necessity dictates. So that's already one of the pillars that uh, Comics Pro laid out, right? 
Uh, we're canceling non-essential releases like second printings and reprints, another thing they laid out. We're offering suggestions for, to Diamond for ways to mitigate the impact of this crisis on retailers threatened by mandatory store closures. And as of yesterday, we are looking at ways to reschedule and stagger the release of our comics, trades, and graphic novels so that we're not pumping product into the marketplace at a time when retailers and consumers alike are dealing with financial struggle for an indeterminate amount of time. We do this because we love comics, we love this industry, and we recognize our place in the ecosystem we all rely on to survive. Image may be the third largest comics publisher in the U.S., but percentage-wise, that's a long way from number two. Despite reacting to the crisis facing our retail partners quickly and with the best of intentions, we are one publisher, and while many stores do rely on our books for their business, we are but a piece of the overall sales pie. So this is the part where I feel like he calls out Marvel more directly, and DC for that matter. For true relief, if the direct market is going to make it through this ordeal, we all need to join together to minimize the effects of shop closers on the stores we need for this marketplace to survive. Some publishers have already discussed the possibility of making their product returnable, but that's still not enough. We need everyone. With all due respect to our publishing peers, we urge you to enact similar measures that will help our retail partners get through these harrowing times. I understand that not every publisher is in the position Image is in when it comes to making these decisions. Image is not owned by a large corporation or beholden to stockholders. Regardless, this is a time where we need we all have to do our part. I know that for some of you that means jumping through a lot of hoops, but if there ever was a time to do it, that time is now. So that's that's Eric Stevenson, that's Image's stance, and I think we can all agree that that is amazing. And it's exactly what we need to hear at a time like this. Um, following up, Aftershock is postponing new books. Aftershock Comics, um, Vault Comics also announced that they are postponing books. Um, so that's you know partially, I'm sure, to help the industry, but also partially because um, you know they they aren't going to be able to make money for a while. Um, so yeah, boom, uh, Oni press, it has made their upcoming titles returnable for the foreseeable future. So they're helping out, uh, top cow and humble bundle. They're working together. They're going to be, uh, releasing every Witchblade story ever in a bundle. Uh, yeah. So, um, the profits of that is going to go to the hero initiative um, Jane Goodall Institute and One Life to Live, and you can choose which of those you want to you want to give to. Um, and this is specifically going to help people um, dealing with the coronavirus and help people, uh, you know, help stores deal with this as well. So um, that's awesome on their part. Now, everyone was waiting, I think, to hear what Marvel had to say, and they released a statement. And I'm not going to read their statement. I'm reading way too many statements. But the long and short of it is that they're going to be deeply discounting and increasing the discount that stores receive by buying Marvel books um, in order to help ease some of the pressure that is that is on them. Um, that's really all they said, though, as far as what they're going to do. They also talked about um, raising awareness um, for ret for retailers who've created pull lists and curbside pickups to help them still reach people in some way. 
but that's it. That's all we got from Marvel. So what do you think about the industry's response and especially how Marvel sort of responded to this thing? Uh, quickly, when you said uh, Aftershock and Vault, did you mean Aftershock and Valiant have said? Uh... Nope, I meant Vault. We'll, we'll okay. talk about Valiant in a moment. Okay, all right, sorry. Um, I Man, I got to – I'm disappointed in Marvel. Yep. But I I don't know. It's it also doesn't feel unexpected. Um, you know I we and we we've talked about this off and on many times over the years. But you know they they flood the market. You know with uh, variant covers and uh, issue tie event tie-ins and events and you know they they have what was it marco something like 41 percent of the stock as of last yeah, uh, share. yeah yeah um and so for them just to offer a discount it just feels it just feels like not enough like you're you're it you're number one yeah and that's it i think i think the one thing i would say generally i agree with what you just threw out there Kale. i think the one thing i would um push back on i guess is that i think what uh eric said in his statement is is true is that it's a lot easier for a company like image to probably make this call because they are smaller and they don't have a, a corporate master whereas marvel does right so it's tougher to turn a bigger ship i don't think this is the last statement we'll hear from them so like not to disagree that this isn't enough i don't think that that means that this is the end of the plan because the last part of the statement says we're actively monitoring the situation every day. We'll continue to listen to retailer feedback and share regular updates with them in the coming days and weeks. And I imagine that we'll probably get another statement like this from them in two weeks or four weeks that is announcing like a further scaling back or, or what have you um, in the same way that we talked about the Black Widow stuff. Right where I think that they're going to be cautious until they feel like confident that they have to make a bigger change because they are a company that is very, very bottom line oriented, you know? Yeah. I think I, – I don't know. Marvel seems to be acting like nothing's happening. And I say yeah. that with respect to some of their more recent announcements, like they announced, um, I believe it was called Infinite Destinies or whatever. It's just it's an oh, event yeah, that's yeah. going to be happening in June. The, yeah, the return of the Infinity right, Stones after or two years. Wow, big deal. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they announced, uh, they announced uh, Snowflake and Safe Space. So right. Um, and yeah, then, right. Like here's a trailer for a new series that nobody can afford to get right now. <laughs> I need a safe space from everyone in New York who's got coronavirus. But um, <laughs> you'll be on the outside of it, though. That's no good. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I need the safe space. I need to be in you it. You need safe yeah. space. I need to be in it. I need him. Oh, you need. Oh, you need the person. Yeah. I see. Um, you know, and and they're they're still talking about Ten of Swords, and that's not too far off. So it just feels like they're kind of just acting like things are normal and they're meeting all their deadlines as it relates to we need to put this press release out today and blah 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 and i would really love to see them pause take a step back and talk about this what's happening because i really like you know what image said and i really like um 
that Boom and 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 Oni and and AfterShock are responding the way that they are, um, because this is what needs to be done, and you can't put your head in the sand with this one. I totally get the Black Widow scenario. That's a huge thing, right? Like that's a movie expected to make, you know, they they make billions of dollars, right? So like that's a that's a there's a lot more to consider, but with comics. Movie theaters aren't going anywhere, okay? That's just not... They're not going anywhere. AMC will be around to open in six months, if that's when we're done with this. Comic book stores can't say the same. And you have to retain them. Marvel has to be responsible for making sure that they survive this. And and, and if any of the publishers can be a part of that process, it is Marvel. And DC, of course. We'll we'll see about that. AMC and those movie Look, theater chains uh, are also come on, man. But, come on. But I know. I I was I was segueing into the next thing. Okay. Uh, it feels like to Marvel, this isn't real to them yet. Well, so this week, literally this week, not to fucking go down on. Well, hold on. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> not uh, not to uh, uh, pick on uh, Akira Yoshida. Oh. You know again. <laughs> Oh but yeah, <laughs> not to not to go down on CP Sabolski's hey. sentence that almost yeah. came out of Kale's mouth, and I will not <laughs> let anyone forget that. <laughs> but Sabolski fucking went to Midtown this week and tweeted and then, about it. And tweeted about it and and said, "Oh, I'm so proud of the whole comics community for just being there and thriving." And my man, we're all supposed to be in quarantine. He's like, he New goes, York City is in the worst shape ever. He goes, "It's great to see the shop filled with people," and I'm like, "Is it?" Because yeah. it shouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know. I I understand what I understand what he was saying, and I think yeah, I, I definitely yeah, for sure. I definitely do. My my point in that is like like that's like a microcosm of of what you're saying about Marvel like not seeing the the reality of the what's happening of right situation. now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like the Leah Williams and and uh, a bunch of creators on Twitter have collectively done like relatively more than Marvel has itself. Like they, she put together a whole map of uh, comic comic stores that uh, do curbside and and online delivery, uh, which is uh, weirdly vacant in the in Middle America. <laughs> and uh, hey, what's up? But, um, like, you know, when you compare the relative, like, ability to do things, it's like, that's uh, wildly disproportionate. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I really want to see Marvel step up to the plate um, because we are going to see store closures uh, like Lee's Comics in California. Uh, They have closed and will not be reopening. Um, after Damn. 38 years. Damn. Um, yeah. Uh, Lee Hester. <sighs> you fucking hate to see that, yeah. man. Lee Hester is the owner of uh, Lee's Comics, and he said, I have some sad news, friends of Lee's Comics. We tried, but we will be unable to reopen in the future as we had hoped. That means, effective immediately, Lee's Comics is no more. We are closed for good. We will not be getting any more new comics and graphic novels. So... Again, not what you want to see, not what you want to hear, but I promise that's not the first time that we're going to read something like that 
if the situation continues to move the way it's moving. Yeah, your favorite comic book store is in jeopardy. So I think definitely to keep in line with everything we're saying, right? Like practice social distancing, don't go out and everything, but like see if your store does pick up or can you do some kind of delivery? Like, you know, gift cards, gift cards, like whatever you can do to like try to help keep your favorite shop open without putting yourself at risk is, you know, something you should think about. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and it, it serves you too because you get to keep reading comics if you can afford it. What was it? Was it Harris this week? Uh, in the Discord said that uh, his his comic shop called him and told him he, he they wouldn't have his poll. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for for the uh, for the week or that he wouldn't be able to get it, and he said just you know keep the money, take the money. I'll get the books later. We'll figure yeah. it out. And uh, that's, man, that's the attitude we need. Yeah, if you can afford something like that, do that. So more on the negative side, uh, Valiant Comics has told its creators that, and this is coming from Bleeding Cool, um, they're saying that they've got uh, several sources uh, who are saying that Valiant Comics has essentially told creators to put their pencils down. Uh, and stop working. Um, that they just for the next month aren't going to be doing any work at all, um, including editorial. And um, creators shouldn't continue their assignments because they can't pay them. They won't be paying them. This shit sucks. We've been talking about how Valiant's like been on the come up and like what a time for this to happen to them. You know, like Bloodshot was just about to come out. It was, it is out. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) And like, ah, man, like this could really fucking cut them off at the knees. Yeah. Um, It it sucks a lot. But I think with this announcement, or not announcement, but this, I guess, you know, rumor that is, I would say, likely true. Um is probably what's going on elsewhere too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. it's probable that Boom, for example, wouldn't be able to pay people to not work. Um, and that's definitely going to affect creators, you know? Like think about the – so Marvel and DC and Image hire, I would say, a bulk of the top tier talent, right? And then a lot of the more up-and-coming creators – or at these other publishers. I'm not saying that Valiant or Boom or whoever don't have top tier creators as well. I'm just saying that it's a lot easier to get your start or if you're a mid-level creator to work at those places than it is Marvel or DC. So those creators not being able to continue to make their money uh, really, really, really hurts them uh, as opposed to Marvel or DC who clearly have every intention at the moment of continuing to work and continuing yeah. to pay. Well, and and I think the the concern too, right, is like it's not even just for the small people who are like breaking in or the mid-level people that are like doing that kind of contract work too. It's like it's like the Christopher Sabellas and stuff of the world, like people who are, you know, mid mid-level creators that are like on the come up that do a lot of creator owned stuff that make a lot of money going to conventions and shaking hands and selling their books. Like that's that entire revenue stream 
gone. And again, like with the slowing down of like people going to the shops and all that stuff, like those kinds of people are the ones who are are probably going to be the most affected, right? Is because like when you look at a lot of the smaller people, like Sean's talking about, a lot of them don't necessarily do comics full time. But like somebody like Isabella, who we've talked to about, like you know, I think the first time he came on the show, he had either just started doing full comics full time recently, yes. right? Like at that point. Yeah. So like he's been doing it for a few years now, but like how secure is his income stream, right? Like is he does he have a huge amount of savings that he can fall back on? Probably fucking not, right? Like he's probably living, you know, paycheck to paycheck like the rest of us, just doing it on his books. But if a huge amount of his revenue is from getting people to buy the books it shows or, you know, like he's done crowdfunding for a lot of his books and that kind of stuff. Like those are all, all revenue streams that are going to be either gone or like, you know, like launching a Kickstarter right now, like who has extra money to burn, you know, like those kinds of creators are the ones I'm most worried about is like, what are they going to do? You know? And like, you know, maybe he's fine because he's got a few ongoing books at image and here and there that are, you know, are going to keep getting printed. But you know, if you're, if you're like, if you're, if you were, a person of Sabella's level and talent when we had him on the show the first time a few years ago right now and you were just able to make comics your full-time gig or you were just on the cusp of that shit that could be that could be a huge you know um like table flip for the trajectory of your career right now. I mean we know a lot of creators who are like Dirk Manning, Kaylin Smith, Dan Doherty um there's so many creators who we interact with on the con circuit that this devastates it's not arguable um it's brutal for those people and those are people like those three names i just mentioned are people who you haven't really seen uh on on the on the credits line of a marvel book or a you know even a boom book or or anything like that those are the creators who i'm really like thinking about that can't fall back on 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 that at all like they they make their money on the road and I mean, like, when you think about it, too, the the people who are writers are even more fucked because at least if you're an artist right now, you can be like, I'm going to do commissions. I'm going to go do a, a, a Twitch stream where I stream myself drawing and like – and granted, that's not the exact same thing, but like – your skills as an artist can translate to other revenue streams during this downturn. Like if you're a hundred percent a writer right now, like, like good fucking luck, man. Yeah, I was just going to say like, uh, I, I recently saw somebody, a post of an artist that I follow and, and he mentioned, you know, to, to make ends meet. He said he, he's drawn more in the past four days than he has in the past four weeks to be able to like get commissions out and be able to, uh, just pay his bills. Pay his bills yeah. Yeah, that's 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 unfortunate. Um fuck. Yeah, it really is. And uh, as we mentioned before, Free Comic Book Day is not happening. Uh, it was announced that it would become Free Comic Book May, and it would be, you know, it may uh, happen a month long. No, a month long affair where. Uh, retailers would be given the free books and they could do what they wanted with them and, and you know, create events around them and things like that. Um, but now that's not happening. A lot of people were not really enthused about the idea. Um, and then Diamond went ahead and said, 
you know, oh, forget about that. We won't do that. Um, they're going to move it to sometime in the summer. That's what they say. We'll see if that actually is possible. But, you know, um, obviously free comic book day can't happen now. And even if stores weren't forced to close, it'd be really tough to run an event like that just because of the amount of people that would show up for for the event. You know, you can't have that many people um, in the same place. And then even like a place like Midtown Comics where they would naturally do a line. You know, they'd have you wait outside. Can't do that either. We can't stand on top of each other in a line waiting for this, waiting to get into this damn store. So have the line be like 20 blocks (laughs) and everyone's two feet apart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's just just wild. Free comic book day canceled. And that's another one, man. We're like, that's a juggernaut of the industry. And that is a huge huge income driver for a lot of these shops you know like i i think of two of the shops that i frequented the most was the the shop the comic book store in glassboro where i that's literally the name of it the comic book store um it's a great shop and that was where i went through college and they you know they had a lot of different revenue streams because they did game nights they sold you know cards they had other stuff going on but i remember talking to the shop owner for like a project I did once and he said like with free comic book day, like on a good year, they would make like something like like 10 or 15% of their income for the year because they would shift all of the old shit that's on the shelves that nobody was going to fucking buy and it all goes and then they can get all the new shit in and then everybody buys all the shiny new shit and it's like it would be a huge bump in, in income and then they would have fucking shelf space to get new product that would move again. So they would have like a month's worth of a huge boom for their, for their money. And like, that's just done now. Not to mention it was like real close to the end of the school year. So it's like, there's all like, it's, it's rough, man. That's a huge loss for a lot of shops, especially if you sell stuff, not just comics. Like um, I took you guys to that shop in Beachwood where, or uh, Pine Beach right near where I used to live. Um, and they like sold like Funko Pops and statues and all that stuff. And like they would discount those and they would sell a $700 statue for, or a $750 statue for $700. And people feel like they're getting a deal, right? Like those kinds of shops get fucked when these kinds of events go away. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I will say I'll be interested to see how in, in time digital sales start to react. Um, separate topic, but. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like six months from now, how many people decided to go digital and actually do it and decide they don't hate it as much as they thought they would? I don't even know what I'm gonna do because I, I, I don't know how I'm gonna consume comics. I know Midtown Comics is taking orders as of now, but um, that might change. Yeah. Um, do you think you would? Would you would start picking up digitally nope. just so you can keep reading? Nope. No. No. It'll. It won't happen. Negatory. I, I yeah, uh, I think comics going digital would be the end of me reading comics, unfortunately. Yeah, um, so I'll have to figure something out. But uh, I did want to end the news segment on a more positive note before we jump into the main topic uh, by talking about Mad Cave Studios, who they're a comics publisher, um, obviously, you know, not super well known. Um, but 
they are trying to step up here and they have actually created a comic book retailer COVID-19 relief fund. And they, what they want to do is raise as much money as they can to provide a one-time donation to comic shops all over the U S um, you know, just to help them through this, this tough time. And so there is a GoFundMe page, uh, and we're going to have a link to that and I'll, I'll bring it up again towards the end. Uh, as of now, they've raised $10,000, um, and donations are rolling in one day in 10,022. We should, we should honestly call this out every week until it's over. It will only be like two or three more mentions of it. Yeah. Um, and so if you want to donate, like I said, there will be a link. Um, but if you don't want to follow the link or you don't catch it, it's Mad Cave Studios. Mad Cave Studios GoFundMe. I'm sure you'll find it very easily if you want to donate and help out. Um, there have been quite a few donations, as we said. Um, so, yeah, definitely. And share it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely share it um, and let people know that this is happening. Because if you want to save the industry... This is a great way to do that. Step An up. Absolutely great way. Yeah, step up. It starts with us. All right. So I uh, guess we're jumping into the main topic, which is, um, you know, is this is this the death knell for physical comic book stores? Ooh, we're keeping it light. Comic books are staring into the void, and the void is staring. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So, as we laid out throughout the rest of the show, the comics industry is in crisis. And, obviously, a lot of people are doing their best to mitigate that. Um, we, We talked a lot about different publishers, Image specifically, who are trying to prevent this collapse that does feel like it is on the horizon. Um, but what I want to talk about, and I'm using a Bleeding Cool article to kind of guide this conversation, uh, and the article is titled, Long Read, An Extinction Event for the Comic Shop, or Too Stupid to Quit, Too Dumb to Die. And basically what it's about is this very topic. And it includes uh, words from you know retailers themselves who they spoke to um, and, you know, just getting their feedback on the situation at hand, retailers who own one store, small store, big store, multiple stores, and getting their feel for, for what's going to happen here, what we need to do in response. And Marco brought up a point which we talked a little bit about, but is really tethered to this conversation about, you know, digital books and, and how the industry shifts towards digital potentially as a result of this so there's a lot to to sort of talk about in this realm i'm gonna start it off with reading a little bit from this bleeding cool article today i have been talking to comic book retailers publishers and distributors alike looking at the effect that the coronavirus pandemic is having on comic book stores and the industry as a whole and it is not looking good comic stores have stood longer than any other print media stalwarts like the bookstore and magazine stand as well as other physical media stores like hmv tower records and virgin the bleeding cool has reported repeatedly in the past that many comic stores survive from one month to the next and that a 10 percent drop in the comics market could mean that half of comic stores close up shop well we have seen a much greater dip than that in just the past two weeks 
if we do see a large collapse of a lot of stores, the debt that they owe Diamond Comics distributors would likely sink Diamond too, and no one has the ability to scale up infrastructure for a replacement worldwide distribution system like Diamond these days. Comic publishers would be shutting up shop too. The cracks are already starting to show. Diamond UK will be getting their comic their comics two days late next week, with comics going on sale next Thursday. After that, well, there may not be any more deliveries at all. Also, at a time where Comixology have put the European price of comic books up by between 50 to 70% overnight. So, that doesn't sound fantastic. Um, but I want to jump into a few, at least one to start, of the um, retailer end experiences and opinions. So this is coming from Brian Hibbs, who runs Comics Experience in San Francisco. And he says, We are closed to walk-in trade as mandated by the government. My expectation is that we are the canary on this, and such closures will go wider and wider over the next two weeks, possibly culminating in martial law. It's possible things could be shut down for months. Sales are radically off, and even our aggressive attempts to set up curbside pickup, shipping, or pay now will hold your books, have yielded a tiny fraction of the income we need to remain viable without drastic intervention by the largest publishers. What we need is an immediate extension in everyone's sales terms by at least 30 days and probably more like 90, as well as all shipments from 316 and later being fully returnable via affidavit. We need production of marginal material, 15k or fewer copies might be a rational line, question mark, to be paused or cancelled, and so on. Every bleeding cool reader should, right now, before things get further shut down, set up a pre-order list with their local comic store, because stores everywhere are starting to slash their non-returnable orders. Let your local store know you support them. Make no mistake. This is an extinction-level event for the direct market, but cool hands and firm leadership from the top could absolutely mitigate a significant portion of the damage, if not eliminate it outright. There is an amount of volume that, if lost, means that selling comics are therefore non-viable as a business. If the bottom third of stores go away, the overwhelming majority of Marvel and DC Comics will suddenly become deeply unprofitable, which could crush out the next third of stores. DC and Marvel need to be showing serious leadership right now. It's been 72 hours of silence instead. So of course, this is before Marvel put out their their announcement. I wonder what uh, Mr. Hibbs would say to what Dan Buckley of Marvel put out earlier in the week. But... That sort of sets the tone, I think, for the conversation that I want to have. So keeping in mind what we're talking about here with Brian Hibbs and what he had to say, um, the idea that physical stores might just have to go away here. And where does the comics industry go if that happens? And is it realistic for us to even be talking about the end of physical comic book stores? Are we overreacting? All of that is on the table. Uh, quickly before we start, have we heard anything from DC? I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier. I haven't seen anything from DC. Hmm. They're missing an action when it comes to this. Hmm. I think. From, uh, mm, go ahead. From my perspective in Europe, um, man, if Diamond is falling through, 
Western sales in Europe are Western comic sales in Europe are done. Um, and especially if they stop in the UK, the UK is where it's as connected to the American market as you can be over here. Um, if those, uh, if those shutter, the shops are done. Um, and I, I, I talked about this when I first moved, uh, to Europe, I, I went and spoke to a comic book store owner in Cologne, I think Cologne, Germany. And the guy said, uh, we were talking to him a bit about diamond, um, <clears throat> And and oh, it was around the it was around the Batman uh, one thousand issue or the eightieth uh, anniversary, whatever that was. <clears throat> and uh, he said that they they released their new books on Thursday for for the American releases, and the uh, the books just kind of come whenever they come. Uh, they are constantly missing dozens of titles in a shipment. And, you know, Diamond, you know, the guy's always on the phone with Diamond and, you know, it, it comes to nothing. So, you know, if it's not for the European yeah, comics, American comics will just stop being sold here, I imagine. Hmm. Wow. I mean, I so just with respect to the physical locations, I don't think it'll be the end i think we'll see mass closures uh depending on however long it continues to go but uh i mean there there are still shops or there there are going to be shops like a midtown that do have some more infrastructure i feel like at least in new york that you know worst case they may close a store because operating costs aren't feasible uh, they do have their warehouse here, so maybe they'll just limit sh- uh, shipping and importing. Uh, and I think those kind of comic shops will be will weather. I don't think that they'll be as prosperous moving forward, uh, or at least it'll take much more time to for them to recover. But I do think that smaller stores. Um, I mean, I even got an email earlier. I think yesterday where my my LCS said, you know, hope all is well. Just wanted to let you know uh, we're we're likely not going to get uh, so whether or not we will get a shipment of new comics this week is up in the air. So like even even those stores who rely on the what little books they'll be receiving might not even get them are going to those those are the guys that are probably going under first. But I don't think larger players are have as much to worry as long as they're smart about how they sort of mitigate. But I I think, I think that's the problem though, right? Is so one of the things that Sean asked was, is it unrealistic to be talking about this this way? It's not. No, no. Um, We've been talking about this the whole time. Right. But, and I, I think like Phil has been the one who's been most vocal in terms of like really talking about, how bad things can still get. And we talk about all the time about how comic stores are already not very profitable and a lot of them survive by a thread. And the quote that Sean just read to us is, I think, uh, a 
should be chilling to anybody. Like the extinction level event thing is, I think, not at all an exaggeration. And the the point that he that um and I forget I forget his oh, name. Oh, Brian um, Hibbs. Brian Hibbs. Yeah, the point that that Brian made there, saying that. It's it's not so much does this kill comic book stores today or tomorrow. It's is this the cut that th- that can't be sewn up, right? Is what happens if say a third of comic book stores go under because of this event, right? And then that leads to an overall shrinking of an already very small market. That is a that is potentially a death blow. That is potentially a beginning of the end of at least the current system. And the question then becomes like, what happens, right? Like, does the direct market become something where you just order your comics directly from the publishers and they're going to come straight to you and that becomes a viable alternative? Or do we actually see a shift towards the digital market? And how many readers are there like Sean who are like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Or I know I don't want to. And is that a significant enough number of the already minimal number of people who read comics in general? Well, you got to think like we, geez, do you guys remember when we were talking about diamond launching an online subscription? Yeah. Yeah. 2018. yeah whatever happened. <laughs> whatever it was called. Where's that been? Uh, that would be even, even that would be an amazing tool right now. But the fact that, it's it doesn't exist like and those people are the people who are they have a monopoly on the distribution of the of the industry the whole industry that's it that's what we're working with like we might as well still be running mail on horses (laughs) like it's it's untenable yeah i think what the coronavirus pandemic has proven is how flimsy so many of our societal structures are. And depending on how bad this gets, and it's already bad, we can't, we can't diminish that in, in, in any uh, respect, but depending on how much worse this gets between now and a year from now, could really represent just a radical shift in just everything. Like Pete's been talking about these paradigm shifts. Marco's been talking about putting movies on streaming services as like the way they're released. I don't think these kinds of concepts are completely out of, you know, out of the realm of possibility if things get really crazy, because it's going to require this, this, this innovation from people to keep things going in the, in the face of near calamity. So are comic book stores in threat of just going away? Um, I don't think an extinction is likely, although it's possible that between now and a year, almost all of them go out of business, but it's very obvious how popular and important comic book characters are in the greater zeitgeist that if the economy does rebound and who who knows how long that'll take that you know something different or new comic book shops emerge 
from this crater. But in the next yeah. year, things can get really bleak. Yeah. Oh, I mean, to build on a point you made earlier, Phil, you were talking about how people's incomes are going to be really limited and, and hurt right now. And the first thing to go is, is luxury. Uh, luxury items. And I mean, uh, we've talked about the value proposition issue of single comics a lot on the show. And like a, tw- a $5, 20 page book. That's a pretty high luxury, right? Versus $12 for unlimited access to a hundred years worth of movies and cartoons or whatever, you know, like, this yeah. this might force DC Comics, Marvel Comics, and God go down to the divine. Who knows what it looks like? This might require a complete transformation in how these are produced. Man, it only like, took it only took effort. a pandemic. <laughs> well, it could it might, it might not represent the kind of shift that you're looking for, Marco. Like, I mean, it was 30 years ago that they shifted and changed a better quality of paper. You know, it might. That rep- that change might force them to use a lesser quality of paper in, in, in the effort of making cheaper comics. Yeah. <laughs> and by lesser quality of paper, he means not paper. And not toilet paper because there is a run <laughs> on that. So that's out of the question, folks. But I, th- I do think to, I, the, to like that to, effect... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, I'd like to read a little bit from Enrique Munoz who is the owner of Comic Hero University in uh, Fullerton, California. He said, I choose to stay optimistic while still being realistic about the current situation. Yesterday, Comic Book Wednesday, we had customers that came out and thanked me for being open. The business day ended at a 30% drop for me from a normal Wednesday. I I am sure that it's going to drop harder as the days go on. The most frustrating thing for me is the lack of any real help from Diamond and the Big Two. Image sent out a public message that was something any of those three could have said. Diamond's only help so far has been, if you need to close your store, call us so we can stop your account. Really? Thanks, guys. Fuck off. Fuck off. That's bad. I hate Diamond so much. Marvel's response was to offer digital copies to buyers. That's a great way to lose every reader. No official word from DC, but I'd prefer silence to what these other two are saying. With Amazon going essential only, it's a matter of time before UPS and all mail carriers do the same. I think it's time for discussions to be had that simply hit the pause button on comics. I mean, to that effect, right? It, if, and and I, I'm also approaching this from like a, a realistic but still optimistic perspective is like, to me, that also just says, "Hey, this is an opportunity that somebody can fix shit." In in the sense that, like, when when normalcy comes, returns, whatever extent that might be. To Phil's point earlier, like, we'll see stores still come back. Like, like somebody's gonna have enough passion, like a Demetrius from Anyone Comics, to be like, "Hey, no, I'm gonna, I'm still gonna try to build up a comic book store once things get back to normal." Um, this is just an opportunity for somebody who has the capital and the the idea to streamline. A better service to be able to provide better services to the the publishers to the stores and to just be a better intermediary between those two like they, they it it to, to what phil said again like it's just the faults of the system are showing the, those cracks and the fundamental problems are being exposed and they're being exposed hard it's it's wild that the two 
biggest companies in this industry are run by Goliaths, you know, uh, mega corporations who have, you know, especially in the sake of Disney, who have brought uh, an untold fortune and they've done nothing. Like they, you know, uh, yeah, we'll we'll kick you a buck down the line. Don't worry about it. Disney well, doesn't care. Yeah, from the perspective of Warner and Disney, that might as well not be happening. Like, think about how small, yeah, of a percentage comic books are for them. Why? Why care? But that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they could do something. But why would they? And it would it would be nothing. But why? But why do it? Yeah, Disney didn't buy Marvel for its catalog of comics. They bought it for its catalog of characters. Right. Well, and the problem is, too, right, <clears throat> that one of the – I think it was the first quote that Sean read was saying, like, how no one has the money to replace Diamond right now. And that's that. that's also true because there's probably not – it's probably not viable to do so. Like who who is there that has enough money and resources to set up a better distribution system for comics than Diamond, where it would be financially worth it to do that for a them? billionaire? Yeah, you take someone, well, you take someone like Jeff Bezos, right? He owns Amazon. We've had conversations on this show about Amazon kind of restructuring the way comic books are redistributed. But at the end of the day, Amazon and Jeff Bezos are probably like, well, I don't give a fuck. Right, right. Yeah, it's like it'll be the amount of money that we would make is a pittance for how much effort it would take to establish a new arm of the company that can do it. With with respect to though the way it currently works, if you're able to to change the model and make it beneficial beneficial to the way that you operate, though, that is the that is the value. That's the name of the right, game, exactly. And and that that's where I feel yeah. like people people come into like Jeff Bezos doesn't give a shit because maybe he just doesn't care. Right or but I'm sure there are people who who do care who just don't have those who lack the the financial backing to be able to implement a better system and change it for the better and then even create that that uh that the two market system where you have the diamond or you have this one publisher the diamond who's been doing it x number of uh the same way for twenty thirty years and goes oh well you know just don't order with us you know fuck off right and then. Uh, this other company was like, "Hey, no, we can do it better for cheaper, and you still make more money off of it." I mean, that sounds like you know, the any innovation. No, any any innovation of a company. That's what that is. That is that is any company that produces a better product, a better phone, a better sort of video game system, a better sort of distribution network. It it, it always happens. It's just yeah, no one has why? the financial backings because you you can make more money with it. Yeah, but you I, I can't. Think, but think, no, no, no. Please let me talk. Yeah, but no, yeah, go ahead, the, go ahead. The, the realities of the comics industry are such that in all of this time, no one has stepped up to do that for a reason. And the reason is money. The reason is that you will not make the money that you want to make by investing your money to do that. And I don't think that, you know, just simply saying, well, there could be this innovation means that it will happen. All that means is that it could happen and anything could happen. But if we're talking in reality, why would someone do that? Why no, would someone it, challenge Diamond? But in, in in the reality, to your point, right, earlier where you said like they, the people who are involved in this, this is a small percentage of, of money to Marvel, right? 
but that that percentage is relative to somebody else and considering that if you're able to create the, that that better system it's because the people who who do care about this don't have the financial backing comics inherently isn't a profitable business but an outside force could be that has those financial resources to be able to make it a lucrative to make it a lucrative business you, you like within the realm of comics everybody's like broke nobody within the realm of comics can do that people outside of it can but okay yeah that's great but realistically why would someone outside of comics right whose business is not comics take it upon themselves to overtake diamond and then infuse all this money into the industry like you're saying why just because they're a good person like what was the reason to do that because they can make more money than what diamond is doing by being the only way they would would do that is if there was an example or uh or a a boom in the sales of comics because that's what would attract outside uh financers to do something like that there's only two scenarios i see where something like that could happen one there would have to be a boom in the sale of comics as i for as previously mentioned or so many comic book stores would have to go out of business forcing diamond to go out of business that when this entire system gets restructured in the crater of it all someone else comes along to distribute comics because diamond went out of business or bankrupt or whatever but but we talked about it in the past. Those are only two I can see that happening. But we talked about it in the past that like the distribution itself is the issue. If you could better distribute comics, better share them, better be able to actually get the get them in in the hands of people, that would be more beneficial. But because of the systems currently in place, that's not a priority because we're just going to go back to the same pool of people that we already have that we know give a shit about this character, give a shit about this character, then be able to build a system that better distributes, better pro- provides that reach to get those other people in. Like if you're able to optimize that and be able to build that better system, you're inherently going to be able to to reach more people because it's going to be in uh, more than just retailers' hands. Again, that that sounds great, but like realistically, you know, well, that's what DC is doing with the expansion to Barnes and Nobles, right? Like that that was that was an expansion that that ended up working for them. Comics have been in Barnes and Nobles. De- Go ahead, uh, Barnes and Nobles. Yeah, died. like like <laughs> that. I, I think that's one of the other big wrinkles to it. Is that like if if there were if if book publishing if publishing in general was a more profitable venture I think you'd see more people interested in stepping up to the plate and I I think aside from the scenarios that were laid out by Phil or Sean I think really the the way that you get it right Sean you asked like what is it just someone who's a good person yeah like I think you'd need somebody who is uh somebody of like a Jeff Bezos. Not necessarily like a billionaire, but somebody who's rich that really loves comics and doesn't care if it doesn't make a lot of money, but wants comics yeah. to exist. And I think yep. that is is one of the wrinkles that if there isn't a greater shift in the market that creates interest for people who aren't in the market, it needs to either come from within, which to your point, Marco, everyone in comics is broke, or it needs to come from outside, but it needs to still be an insider. You need somebody who's got money that they can burn we know what we need but it's not it's it's not a matter of that it's a matter of that person existing it's a matter of a person existing who just doesn't who has all this money for some reason but just also doesn't care about it like they like those people grow on trees you know and and, and, go ahead good all right well that does happen um 
like there's plenty of owners of professional sports teams who do operate at a loss just because they like want to own a sports team uh, for smaller market sports teams. So I mean, you would need that type of person for comics. Exactly. Well, the, right. the thing yeah. about sports teams, though, is that they can always turn around. Like, for example, mm. you could win a championship and all of a sudden a sports team that never made any yeah. money is making money. Comic books don't have championships for you to win. And sports in general yes. is a much bigger market. Comic books, the market is so small as it is. Look, it's so small, right, that a 10% drop in revenue could crush the industry. I just read that. Could end the entire fucking thing. I just read that. So what are we talking about? You know, like... I know what we're talking about. We're talking about creating a championship for comic books. <laughs> no, 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 but, but like, the, 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 the concern there is that we're keeping it within the realm of the market that we have. If you can better distribute, you can make a bigger market. The other problem with that, though, is how do you convince the two giants in the industry who are working with the people who have given them the monopoly to come to your side? Better rates, better distribution, and tell them that they can make more money. Right, but, but that all comes but back did, to how does that happen? I, who funds that? But, who and makes also, the system? And also... And also, Disney and Warner Brother don't care about that. They don't need it. They want to keep their foothold. They don't need it. It'll still be a foothold. It'll just mean that they get more revenue. The question you're being asked, but Marco, if they don't, is, if, okay, yes, better revenue, better distribution, better XYZ, how? Just the, Who? Well, not, not, not who. Not forget the, who. How? Right. I, by doing exactly that, by having those pieces implemented, you make that you get a bigger market because but you have easy, that better distribution. But it's I'm easy not, not, to say better distribution. How? You can. We all agree with you. Better distribution is better, but how? The same way that they have that they have a better system to be able to do like like the pull list shit. That's immediately a fix that any other publisher, any other publishing or distribution company can have. That is that is like, hey, we're better than because of this. I'm pretty sure that already exists from other way, way smaller, smaller distribution those. platforms that don't exist. Like Simon & Schuster, right? Isn't that... Uh, we also talked about one that uh, had gotten uh, some notoriety by doing like Dark Horse and Boom and other... Um, I, this was a long time ago at this point, but... Um, there, there exists uh, some other ones that have tried to get off the ground. With that in mind, the online, sub, uh, you know, subscription service that just doesn't. But not work. with the same funding. It's a broke ass company. Well, it, like, man, that's what it is. It's funding. Like, right? You're asking for a magic money tree. To borrow uh, an expression from uh, the godforsaken Brexit, and <laughs> what we can't fucking ma- like, we're not the people to plant a magic money tree. Trump's not gonna say, "Oh, we better fix comics." I'm gonna invest a billion dollars into that. It's not gonna happen. Like, yes, that's what we need. You're absolutely right. We also need uh, free student loans. We also need. Uh, free healthcare. We also need a government that doesn't hate absolutely every everybody on the planet. Oh, like man. that's that's all stuff we need. Uh, you're not gonna fix that by just uh, like it takes money. It takes this imaginary bullshit that we've all agreed means something, and like <laughs> you can't 
you're countering everything with just like, oh yes, but the funding, but the funding's not there, the fun- Marco. Like, the, like the funding, the funding is just the no, funding, Marco. But the it's funding not is there. just like you built something out. The funding no. is just. Can I just point out that Kale looks like he's going to explode right now? <laughs> I feel like Kale's gonna just combust. Like oh, the funding, the funding. <laughs> The funding, like Jesus Christ! No, 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 I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you get it from going up to somebody. You're telling me, I hear you. The funding. Listen to me. Look, you go, you go to somebody else who has more money than you. Some, this is a better idea. This can make. I've seen Shark Tank. It doesn't work. (laughs) It works, but it works in real life in the private sector. That's exactly what you do. Shark Tank, Dragon's Den. That's TV Fuck shows, it. bro. There's, did you know there's? Did you know there's a German version? It doesn't work. The funding isn't it there, my man. There. It it's just not there. there. But it's okay. <laughs> but if it was there, why wouldn't why wouldn't somebody do it? Right? Like that's the thing, man. Like you're just you're going in a circle no, now. No, with no, this but like, argument, so like, but like so like for the other stuff that like, like you know how I have I have my like separate like marketing business. Yeah. Right. That that inherently is. Hey, we went up to somebody's like, okay, cool. This is an idea we have. Is this something you're willing to work with? That that at the base level is exactly what I'm talking about. You come up with somebody with a better proposition than you can to a competitor, and you tell them, hey, you can pay for this. Then you're getting these X Y Z services, and you're making more money that way. There's no competitor though. That's the problem, right? Diamond no, you, you is you the... become the competitor. What I'm saying. I, I, I'm not saying that this is something with what money. I just said it. How do You're you saying it? you have yeah, but what you just said was you need to take a better proposal to a competitor. Diamond has no competitor. No, 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 that, that, that That's the problem. That, that, what are you going to go do? Another failing publishing no, 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 company no. and be like, would you like to come and also fail in this publishing industry? I said I was the competitor. This is better than like so in that in that scenario, I'd be like, I would come to this person. I, we have a better idea than what Diamond Comics has. Okay, so look, Marco, you're a you're a numbers guy and a money guy. If I come to you and I say to you, hey, man, I uh, want to start this business um, and I need from you X amount of millions of dollars in order to start this business. I have these great ideas that are going to compete with this dying industry. We're going to take it over. We're going to do things better. <laughs> we're going to we're going to we're going to shake things up. And then you're going to say to me, oh, cool. Well, how much money do I stand to make by doing this? If I give you this money, how much money am I going to make? And I'm going to say, well, let's see. Um, the highest selling comic book this month alone made or uh, sold uh, 50,000 copies. But not a publisher, distributor. I get it. You're looking to figure out how much money there is in comics, right? By distributing these books, you need to know the numbers. Anybody could agree to that. You have to know what the numbers are in the in the business. So when I tell you, right, what the numbers are in the business – if you're a reasonable businessman, you're going to say, hey, great meeting. I'll pay for your, your latte. I'm out of here because there's not enough money in it for you to start. Why would someone give millions of dollars to you to start a competitor to Diamond when they don't stand to make that kind of money back? Because you, you, you're constraining it to just the people that are there. I'm not saying, I don't even know what that means. What are you talking like, about? You're constraining it to the people who are just buying the Batman at, let's say, the 100,000 copies. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm saying by improving it, you're going to get 150,000 copies being sold. By but you assume that, that. I think the bottom, the bottom line here, Marco, is I think you seem really confident. Let's do it. 
The five of us right now. Let's nah, do it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. There's not enough money to be made. Um, I'm already uh, 120k in debt. Like, what do you have to you're lose? Have to pay that off first. Like, no, what do you have to lose? It's just more debt. So, moving. All right. Yeah. Fuck it. Fair enough. Moving forward, uh, there in this article, there are tons of of uh, opinions coming from owners of different shops. Um, and a lot of, I mean, they're, they're dire, you know, um, someone mentioned one of them, I can't find it here. Um, but one of them mentioned how everyone recognizes the fact that if say Marvel decided that they were going to go digital only, how devastating that would be to the industry. And I really feel like comics are the only industry that I can think of at least where it it does exist, you know, with that kind of, with those polls, right. Of like. If this goes away, not even just Marvel goes away. If Marvel just decides they're going to change how they get comics to you. If they decide they're going to do digital, that's it. You know, that's game over. For that to be the case, man, that's like, that's rough. And that's before COVID. So, me personally, I I tend in this instance, to want to be hopeful that we won't lose physical stores um, and that after all this resolves, we will still be able to buy comics from stores and it'll be not business as usual, but things will return to normalcy. Um, When it comes to the digital element, which is the last thing that I really want to discuss unless anyone has something they want to add to the table... On the digital end of the spectrum, I, I do feel a, a, a big fear that if digital were to become the way that people consume comics by and large, if, if physical stores were to go away, that that would also be a way that comic books kind of end. Um, because I think physical stores are as important to comics as Marvel or DC, you know, Um I don't know the exact numbers, but I would argue and I would wager that a very, very high percentage of people consume their books now through physical bookstores, um, primarily when it's harder to do, right? Like it's harder to go to your local comic book store than it is to just download the book. And they're available day and date. You know, it's not the same as movies where you have to wait six months to be able to download the movie or rent it or whatever it is. Comic books come out the same day on both in both platforms, and people by and large are choosing one over the other, and they're choosing the physical one. So if physical goes away, I don't think that digital is a safe haven either. I think the industry goes away the same way. I think that's just as much as a, pro- a problem as any of the other factors that we're talking about, too. You know, is that like I think I think honestly, if comics aren't willing or able to transition to a digital only model then their their longevity is already in question you know because that's over the last 10 20 years that's increasingly how people want to engage with media you know and maybe it's an issue of or maybe it's not an issue maybe it's more a question of is there the ability to appeal to a new generation of readers who want to read digitally and maybe that's the path forward and the people who want to buy physical can buy physical and it just becomes a smaller part of the market. Maybe that's the case, 
but that's a big maybe. That's a big if. And I think the fear is that if, if comics can't go digital, then I think comics are very much at risk of becoming a thing that used to exist. It's also easier to make digitally. Yeah. Like, you know, it's obviously it still takes, you know, the time and the effort and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to compete with Marvel or DC if you're just an indie creator on Webtoon or Tapas or yeah, even Comixology Unlimited, you know, there is an ability to get your own money by using their system that isn't terrible. Yeah, there's an argument to be made there, right? That if like digital became more commonplace that the cost of production or the cost associated with production and distribution more so would become a lot lessened and you it you know if there is a big bigger market for people who could re, you know like yeah there's a lot of things that could change and end up making the market adapt in ways that are actually better for it and healthier for it um but in that process of trying to evolve and adapt you could lose a lot of people along the way and comics can't afford to do that um, I I think as long as there's always a want and a desire, the comics won't go away, and and things could get really bad. And we've outlined several ways where it really could take a hard left turn. But you know, the economy will bounce back at some point, and as long as people want comic a want to make comics and b want to buy comics, no matter how flimsy the model is. I think something will exist to necessitate that want, that need, and that desire. Yeah, I like that as a as a note to go out on. I think comics will persist as long as when there's a will, there's a way, right? Exactly. So hopefully next week uh, there is some sort of brighter news. I think that when it comes to this industry that we all love so much – um this is kind of where the the conversation is um and i don't feel like we're going to be returning to just normal you know fun stuff in terms of news uh anytime soon but we're definitely going to continue to bring you guys the latest and um you know try to try to remember that you you love comics because you're passionate about them and if you want something that you're passionate about to persist then you have to do everything that you can do to uh, keep that alive. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be spending your money if you don't have any, you know, just talking about it, just like what we're doing now, you know. Um, All of these things help the industry uh, survive and thrive, you know. Um, And if you have a little extra change, we've got that GoFundMe link uh, that you can, you know, um, help out uh, retailers through. Or just hit up your local shop and say, hey, before you guys close down for good, I'm coming by. You know, uh, whatever you can do. And of course, like I said, if you don't have the money, that's cool, man. Because times are tough. And comics are expensive. But um, if you do, then do what you can. Um, So let us know your thoughts about this conversation. Obviously, it's a big conversation. And, you know, uh, it gets contentious. But all of us on this this podcast are as passionate about books as you are. And, um, you know, we want to see the industry thrive. Obviously, myself and Marco, for instance, have different ideas about what that means. But it's all coming from a place of, you know, love and passion. So um, 
you know, share your thoughts with us. You can get us on social media at the Comics Pals, write in at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. Uh, if you're on YouTube, definitely make sure to give us that like. It helps us out a lot. Subscribe also helps us out a lot. Share this video with your friends to let them know that we do this and you enjoy it. And hit the notification bell to be made aware when we drop more content. Let's do some plugs, Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of The Comics. Pals, if you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Come chat with me about what you guys are doing uh, right now to stave off the uh, you know the boredom and the pacing insanity of being stuck indoors. If there's any uh, shows you're watching, books you're reading, um, games you're playing, I'm not going to play them because I'm playing Animal Crossing, but um, <laughs> let me know what's up. And uh, I, you know, I, I would love to get some recommendations from those of you who are uh, keeping sane. And uh, speaking of Animal Crossing, if you want to uh, check out some of my thoughts on it or content around it, you can head over to LootPots.com where I host the weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast, as well as the Patreon exclusive show After Dark, uh, both of which we will be talking about Animal Crossing this week. Um, so uh, go check it out. Awesome. Kale? You can find the funding on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Info. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can also look at KaleWard.com. That's C A L E W A R D.com. I don't know. Maybe you'll find a magic money tree in there. Marco? You can find me at Mr. Marco Nomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I will be rele- I release a tease of a two page story that I uh, just finished wrapping up with. Uh, artist Horatio Lois. Uh, really, really cool stuff. So I'm going to be dropping that this week uh, for you guys to check out. I had a lot of fun doing it. Hope you guys like it. And It looks get, real good. Yeah, it, it's uh, he did a phenomenal job. Uh, definitely think I'm going to be working with him again uh, for any other things. And you can visit com. Also, I'm going to be posting that there. And uh, if you are an investor, I have an idea. Hit me up. Let's get this shit rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, um, uh, hang out with us in our um, in our uh, in our nice little chat we have. And, yeah, what's it uh, called, Phil? If if you, you, you you're there so often, it's just what is it called? <laughs> what's the website called? <laughs> Do you even have any idea? <laughs> Could you uh, show us the app on your phone? I do have the app now, guys. I do actually have the app. Now. now. It took me a long time, but I do have the Discord app. What a hero. But no, if you're... It's the first time we've opened it. (laughs) If you... um, I downloaded it right now. That would have been real fast. Come on. Don't be silly. I have it. (laughs) Uh, Hang out with us in our chat, and uh, if you're feeling kind of blue from all this coronavirus, you know... Uh, maybe we can all help each other out. Um, also, pray for me. I just got called into work tonight because. Oh, fuck. F in the chat. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Rough. So press F, F in the in, chat. F, F's in chat, everybody. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> We're just getting a flood of F's in the Discord on Monday. <laughs> We're not going to know why. <laughs> uh, and then you could uh, also just tell me how much. <laughs> How much you did it? <laughs> how much you're gonna? Uh, how how bad you feel for me on Twitter and Instagram at Cyborg Bebop? As for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Uh, I've been watching the X Men animated series during my quarantine. Hit me up to talk nice. about why nice. 
Jean Grey is the greatest and uh, why we need to keep comics thriving so that we can have more comics with Jean Grey in them, quite frankly. <laughs> well, and Jean, Jean Grey Day is coming up, too, so you're going to... I mean, it's today. Thank you for bringing that it up. It got pushed back, though. Oh, shit. Due oh, to COVID me... concerns. Oh, you're right. <clears throat> so with that, we're the comics oh, person. It's a dry cough. It's a dry cough. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Take care, guys. <laughs> Bye. God damn you, coronavirus! <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs>